Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time now for the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's nice to not walk six guys. We just did a better job filling up the zone, throwing strikes with everything. Kind of had a lot of work in, but, you know, it starts with fastball command. I was able to do that a lot better today, and everything kind of came off that. Jack did a really nice job. Um, leaned on his slider quite a bit, got a lot of swing and miss with it, was able to keep it down and into the lefties, away from the righties, but um, allowed everything else to kind of play up, mixed in some cutters, but overall, very good outing. Let's get nasty on a Thursday. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN with Jamie Rivers. Our guy BT is with us for the first hour or so as we celebrate a Cardinals victory from yesterday. They took on the Colorado Rockies, a matinee game, and they got it done. They got Harry a couple of times there throughout the course of the game. Just the way they wrote it up, Absolutely, Jamie. 4-4 tie at one point. Nolan Gorman hits a... Another bomb at Coors Field. They tack on a couple of more runs in the uh, the seventh, and then uh, maybe eighth. It was the eighth. Cardinals get the victory seven to four. But we do lead off with the man you heard, Jack Flaherty. Yesterday, Jack Flaherty turns in his best start of the season. Charged with only the two runs, one earned, and it came on a Jerickson Profar leadoff home run in the bottom of the first. Profar. Jumps the first pitch fastball, hammers it out to uh, right center. But Jack Flaherty settled in from there. He goes five and a third. No decision against the Rockies. But the key statistic in my eyes, uh, BT, and I think, Jamie, you're along along the same line. Only one walk yesterday. So what was different about Jack Flaherty's start to you, BT? Oh, yeah, he threw more strikes. Like, if I had to pinpoint it, I would just go with he threw more More balls in the zone. Yeah, what did you see? Because, I mean, that's the first thing that really jumped out to me. Yeah, I would say that was accurate, BT, and so was he. Okay, no, I like that. I like that. By the way, uh, these new pitch rules, okay, the new new pitch timer. Look, I could have saved Jack that home run. I have my little note ready, you know, for the uh, first inning. Throw right to us. We get to it. I was going to say, hey, look. Be careful, first pitch. He's really aggressive, and he's taking some good swings at the top of the zone. Well, lo and behold, he didn't have time to hear me say that from a couple hundred <laughs> feet above him. And uh, first pitch, fastball elevated, and Profar puts it in the seats. I think he swung at the first pitch in all four, or at least his first four at-bats, so that was pretty impressive. Uh, but when it comes to Jack's outing, look, after the last two, and we know the ERA was good coming into him. He had a 1.80 ERA heading into that. But we watched it, right? We watched the tight wire act like he was going over the volcano, like one of those amazing, what is it, the uh, Walinda brothers? Is that right? Yeah, he was sure. A, one of the Walindas. <laughs> you know, he's out there. It's like, oh, God, is he going to? No, he didn't die. And <laughs> you go to Colorado, and that's where pitchers go to die oftentimes. 
Like, you might want to have a net under you in that place. He didn't have one, and he looked very good. You heard Ollie talking about his slider. Guys, that's the most depth and the best I've seen him throw a slider all year in a place where the sliders really don't usually move as much as they did. I thought he did a good job of just being in control of himself and, and his body, and it's incredibly encouraging. Yeah, BT, I would agree. I think the one thing I'm most impressed about from Jack Flaherty is that that first pitch of the game that ended up landing into the seats didn't rattle him. I'm sure he was pissed off. There's no doubt. I mean, Jack Flaherty's an emotional guy. He's an intense individual, but he didn't let that get to him. And to your point, you know, the slider and whatnot, I feel like he was just locating a lot more pitches yesterday to where, oddly enough, at Coors Field, where he shouldn't be locating them as easily as he would somewhere else, but I felt like he had pretty good control. No, he did, and I think it's a great point, too, Jamie, on the home run right off the bat. Look, uh, old BT back in the day, you'd have just lost me there. That was it. I'm blacking out. <laughs> oh, I've been right I'm, there I'm, with you. I'm heaving baseballs all over the place, and all of a sudden, uh, it's the old uh, major league. You can go get him now. <laughs> uh, but that didn't happen for Jack, and not ideal. You out there generally, at least I did this when I was starting a game, I throw my pitches. Uh, and then I would simulate the first batter of the game. Like, how am I gonna, going to attack this guy? And I'll work in and out. However, I would attack him. And I don't think that that's how he worked on that. If he did attack the first get, first guy, I don't think he went fastball up Homer and then let me get to Blackman, who, by the way, dinked a, a curveball into the outfield for a single. But he got a double play. He got his punch out. And then he went to work after that. I thought it was a, a very impressive outing when he did have trouble. It was a leadoff walk in the fourth. And uh, it, it was like, oh, God, here we go. Here it is. Like, things crumble for Miles Michaelis around here and Steven Matz around here. Are they going to crumble for Jack? It was the walk. Then McMahon hit a single. And he say, okay, well, well, this was fun. This was really fun to talk about three positive innings. Then he got a double play again, then struck out Moustakas. I just, uh, I really liked what I, I, I saw there. And to Jamie's point, guys, it's uh, the home run didn't throw him off. The seven walks in his first outing didn't throw him off. And he's talked about it. He talked about, hey, if I get mad, it's only benefiting the other team. I think that we're watching Jack grow up in front of our eyes here. Now, the question is, the growing up, the, the maturation of Jack is awesome. Like, that is a great thing, and that's going to be a big thing for the rest of his career is being able to take things in stride and move on and continue to get better. The question is, from what you've seen now in three starts, because it's safe to say that he has built upon each start and gotten a little bit better, how comfortable are you in saying, okay, well, Jack will be a frontline starter for the rest of the year? I'm not ready to say that. Wow, Anthony, that pause tells everything. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not ready to say that, guys. I this was not. This was not a great start in context of where frontline starters are. This was a very promising, encouraging, good start from where Jack Flaherty has been. You can shake your head at me all you want, Jamie. You are literally just trying to fluff all this in our face, Anthony. I'm not fluffing anything you in your are. face. You are, right? Brad and I are insulted. Look at Brad's telling you you're number That's one fine. again. That's fine, guys. When we talk about a frontline starter, it's not what we've seen thus far to Flaherty. But keeping in context you seen his with what Jack Flaherty has been over the last year and a half and over his first three starts, it is very encouraging. Context matters, guys.
Does it? Unbelievable. Thank you, Brad. That Anthony's right. Look, Thank you, uh, when when you're going, <laughs> it, it was a step in the right direction, right? It, did he overnight because he went five and a third at Colorado turn into one of the more dominant forces in the National League? No, no, that doesn't <laughs> usually work that way, right? But that's what you wanted to see. The last thing you wanted to see, which you could easily see coming into the game, is regression from that. You could easily see in a ballpark that he's never pitched in before, which is kind of amazing that he's never pitched at Coors Field before. He's got over 100 now starts in the big leagues and has never pitched there. I was talking to him on the plane yesterday. I was like, dude, I couldn't believe that when I when I read that. He goes, yeah, I haven't pitched in Philly either. I don't know how the hell he's dodged both of those places. No kidding. Good for him. A couple of launching uh, pads. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, but it's, it's something where you want to see him continue to build through the season. The way that the starting pitching has gone to this point has not been overly encouraging. He and Montgomery together, those two have been encouraging. He and Montgomery together have been solid. Both of them combined got an ERA under two. Everybody else has an ERA combined over nine. So, uh, again, not great. Uh, but I, I like what we saw out of Jack. I like the fact that he had the feel for a slider. I can't wait to watch him next time out and see what that looks like. He threw 38 sliders in that ball game, guys. Just off the top of your head, guess how many of those he threw for a strike. I like these guessing games. 30, now, 38 sliders, you said? Yeah. 38 sliders. Is it so strikes long. in the zone or whiffs? Strikes in general. Swings okay. or in zone. 38. I would say he hit it 25 times. I'm going to say... 22. 30. Oh, oh wow. nice. All right. Yeah, 38 sliders, 30 for strikes. You know that cutter he was working on spring, in spring training? He threw 10 of those, 7 of those for strikes. So real feel for that. In, in his 85 pitches, 56 strikes overall. That's a 65.9% rate. Just for reference, last time out, he threw strikes at a 53% rate. So a big jump there. Also had to swing and miss. Had 13 of those, and 10 of them were with that slider. Again, reference point, right? We're talking about building off of the previous one. He had eight swing and miss against the Brewers. So you like what you see. Now you got to see it again in five days. You need Jack Flaherty out there for 30, 32 starts. And you hope that he continues to get better throughout the season. That's Brad Thompson, Jamie Rivers, Anthony Stalter. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN, where it's 211. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Wanted to ask BT about one pitcher specifically, and it's the one that has struggled the most for the Cardinals, and it's the one that you're that we're all surprised about the most. It's Miles Michaelis. What what thus far has BT saw, seen or not seen out of out of Miles Michaelis, and is there any sort of positives? that we can take uh, moving forward here. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's a drive to deep center field. O'Neal going back at the wall, and it is gone. A majestic touch of all time for Ryan McMahon. Miles filled up the zone, had all his pitches working, and then made some mistakes. Pitched through some some traffic early, and then made some mistakes there um, in that fifth inning, and it happened quick. But um, yeah, they took some pretty good swings off of him that inning. It's, it's gonna happen. 
That call was from the other night when Miles Michaelis was roughed up by the Rockies, including that home run by Ryan McMahon. And then you heard Ollie Marmel talking about Miles Michaelis' performance. It was his third start. It was his third start that didn't go well. And uh, we won't see Miles Michaelis for a couple of days. But I did want to ask BT, who's joining us right now on the fast lane with Jamie Rivers and Anthony Stalter. BT, I, I can't remember if it was Matt's or if it was the start, starter, starting staff uh, overall or if it was Michaelis specifically. But when I asked you the other day about the pitching, you had mentioned it was just its lack of execution right now. When it comes to Miles Michaelis and these three starts and the fact that he's got an ERA – and, you know, the, he's, he's over a 10 now. What specifically has plagued Miles Michaelis? And is is it overly concerning or is it just a rough start? Anthony, first of all, he's barely over a 10, okay? It's 10.05. I mean, that's almost a 9, really. So that's a positive in and of itself. Well, it's something. 29 hits in 14 and a thirds is a bit alarming. I would say that. Um, the, the biggest thing that stands out, because you, you asked a question about, like, between him and Matt's or who was it. So I was talking about Matt's the other day leading into his start when I joined you guys. Mm -hmm. And it was, we were talking about his execution specifically with two strikes. And I told you guys that with two strikes, the opposition was hitting 353, I believe it was, against Steven Matt's. And that was the second highest mark in the league. And then I told you the first highest mark in the league with two strikes. Do you remember who that was? Moose. Michaelis. Yeah, Michaelis. He's Moose going by Michaelis. Moose now. He's thinking it's going to change his uh, change his luck. It can't uh, hurt. But so that, to me, that's the biggest thing that stands out with Michaelis right now is the fact that he's just not executing with two strikes. Last year, he was really able to finish off hitters with two strikes, and he really didn't do it in your prototypical fashion, like Jack Flaherty gets to two strikes, you probably know you're going to get the slider. That's what you're generally going to get with, with him. With Miles Michaelis, he actually finishes off hitters usually with his fastball, and he's not spotting that where he wants to. He's making too many mistakes in the middle of the zone. Then when he does try to go to something else, guys are putting him in play at a higher clip. Now, uh, I agree with Ollie talking about how things snowballed. I mean, that's what happens in Colorado, right? Avalanche, that was the fifth inning, and it was a, a hot mess of five different runners coming in to score against Miles Michaelis. Like, that has been happening, and the ball was hit hard in that game. And that is something. I went back, and before the game, uh, I went back and watched every hit that Miles Michaelis had given up to that point. And if you have no life and you would like to do the same thing, <laughs> I, I implore you to do it because you'll watch it and you'll just be like, man, like how how are the, all these hits falling in? How do they keep finding the zone? Again, the, the other day, Tuesday withstanding because the ball was hit a lot harder against him on Tuesday. But I think that when you do go back and look at it, if, if again, if you're so bored and your life just you just don't have anything else, uh, then do that. And then go back again and watch it, and then watch where Contreras's glove is for a lot of these. It'll be like down and away, and then you see him uh, pulling his glove in, and then it's a dinker that goes into left field. And you'll see him spotting up in, say, "All right, get in on this right-hander." And then you'll see the glove leak over the plate, and then it's a ground ball through the hole the other way. It's just spots that he's missing right now that he didn't miss a year ago. I would be very alarmed if I saw a big big drop in the velocity we're not seeing that with miles michaelis it just comes down to he's got to make better pitches 
uh, more more often. Like that's kind of what it is. What do you guys see well, though when you're watching him? Like what stands out to you well, other than the 29 hits? <laughs> BT, I I think it's interesting when you would mention watching Wilson Contreras's glove because as you can imagine, whether it's the tax line or I've I've heard. Mike drops either on this show or other shows here on 101 ESPN where where people are either asking, fans are either asking or they're stating that Wills Contreras has been part of the problem or questioning whether or not he's been part of the problem and how badly now are you missing Yadi or Molina. And my my point has always been, well, one, Yadi, Yadi is not with the club anymore, so we have to move on at some point. Two, he wasn't with the club much last year and the pitching wasn't a, to- wasn't a total disaster. Uh, and three... What? Why are we just assuming the pitchers aren't aren't the issue? Now, when you're talking about the glove movement, you're talking about missing spots, and that that's that's on the pitcher. That's not on Contreras. And look, Contreras has not has not been great offensively. He's he's off to a poor start. Yesterday, he has the four seamer go off his glove to the to the wall. That's a problem. Wills Contreras is not. You know, for all the the praise and everything that that he drew coming in, you know, into the off season and then throughout spring training and well deserved. This has been a rocky start for for Wilson Contreras. However, Miles Michaelis is the one struggling right now. I, I don't think Contreras, and you kind of proved it by just citing the the, the glove movement. Wilson Contreras isn't the issue when it comes to Miles Michaelis. Michaelis is missing his spots. I think the stuff you asked is what what we're what we're seeing. I think the stuff has looked fine for Michaelis. It is a location problem, and guys are squaring him up right now. Yeah, and, and Jamie, I think that uh, to Anthony's point. Contreras can be a hell of a lot better. He he had a bad series offensively and defensively. Actually, he had a bad road trip yeah. on both can't, sides. I mean, can't, can't get the ball to the infield right now. Well, right, dude, his swing right now, everything. I think he's just – I really feel like he's, like, pressing and trying to make something happen every time he's up there. And when he does that, he's just coming across the zone and rolling right over. Like, if I'm a shortstop, I'm pretty ready when Contreras is up right now. Like – I think that that will wear off at some point. I'm not worried about him offensively. I believe it's going to be there. And I also think it's nice right now to not have to worry about it when you think that you have a deep enough lineup where other guys can end up getting it done. But I do want to see him continue to take strides. Again, I'm not blaming Contreras at all for what's going on, but he could be helping a little bit more, right? Some of these strikes at the bottom of the zone, some of the ones he looked so good. This series against Toronto uh, like he drew everybody's praise. Like, and, and I, I talked to Ollie after that series. I go, dude, Wilson looks a hell of a lot better than I was expecting. He said, man, he's working, he's doing everything. And he like really wants to be great back there. And he was stealing strikes and he was just quiet. I wonder if some of the struggles that he's having offensively right now, the wheels are turning a little bit and he's not focusing as much on the task at hand, but to the larger point, pitchers need to make better pitches, right? Pitchers right. need to be in the zone, uh, in the zone more, down in the zone specifically, hit their spots when they want to, and that's been the big issue. Fortunately, Jack Flaherty made a stride in the right direction. It was Matt's, uh, you know, both Matt's and Michaelis, who you watched them early and said, all right, well, this has got a chance to be a, a decent one, and then it wasn't. You know, you saw Matt's game. He worked out of early traffic the first couple of innings, but a couple of leadoff singles, ended up getting double plays in both those innings. That's where Matt's is at his best, right? He's getting ground balls early on, and then he ends up giving up two in the third, two in the fourth, and uh, two in the sixth before ultimately getting lifted in that one. It's going to be better for this staff, but if you're 
if you're looking at this staff, I still don't look at it and say, okay, well, I'm seeing the emergence of that ace. I'm seeing the, I for sure know who is going to be starting game one in the postseason. Right now, every day that anybody's pitching, like let's not even set the bar of like ace in the postseason. I don't have a guy right now in the rotation where I say, okay, I feel pretty confident that we got seven innings right here. Like, like here we go. Like, let's let's get seven, give the bullpen a break. Right. You don't have that guy right now. No, you're hoping it's my, Montgomery again tonight, Jamie. Yeah, BT, just a quick question regarding Michaelis as we as we bounce back there to the Michaelis Contreras and whether we want to put a lot of emphasis on it or not. Miles Michaelis had a lot of success last year with Andrew Kisner behind the plate. Do you think Ollie goes back to that combination for Miles for Michaelis's next start? I think it's a really interesting question, uh, and I think it's one where it kind of depends on how things are going for Wilson. I also think it maybe depends on a conversation with Michaelis. Now, Miles is never going to throw Contreras under the bus. He realizes that he's in control uh, more so than Kisner. But if, if you are looking for a day to get Kiz in at bat, oftentimes you're going to think day game after a night game. But if you can set it up where those two end up working together. Jamie, I don't think it's the worst idea in the world. Kiz has got to get some reps. He can't sit there and just uh, just wait for uh, the inevitable, like, oh, maybe somebody gets hurt and I'll get in this game. Like, you have to be able to get some. Maybe Miles Day wouldn't be a bad one. I don't think it's a bad idea at all. Have the Cardinals found their groove offensively again? We'll get into that conversation next in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, Trex, evergreen, and Azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber is an authorized Yeti dealer and also stocks a large assortment of grills, so celebrate summer with a new Big Green Egg, Weber Gas, or Charcoal Grill and all of the accessories from Hackman Lumber. Come visit their showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. To the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Swing and a drive. Crush center field and deep. Daza is not going to get that one into the shrubbery. Nolan flat out to left. He's the DH today. He hits that one a mile high left field. Profar going back. Nolan Arenado belts it out of here. A two-run homer. Swing, fly ball, well hit left. That ball's got a chance. That ball is gone! Another two-run homer for Nolan Gorman, and the Cardinals are back in front. That's Chip Cowley, BT's 
I was going to say guy, friend, co-host, analyst, play-by-play play play guy, partner, partner in crime. Did that really, that really trip you up? Best friend, Chip Carey. Really trip you up that bad? No, not really. Just wanted to see your reaction. Disgust, mostly. Correct. Chip Carey on the call there. <laughs> Valley Sports and West. It's BT's partner here on 101 ESPN. Uh, BT's joining us in the fast lane. Uh, BT. <laughs> what are we doing? A couple of days ago, we were having the conversation. And this was before, of course, the Rockies... You know, they, were, they, they had won the first game before the Cardinals came back and won the, the last two. When you're looking at, like, who who to blame, we had that conversation, who's to blame for the Cardinals' slow start, I had said the Cardinals' offense because that was the thing that the Cardinals, outside of, like, their defense, and we'll get to the defense maybe in a second, but the offense was the thing that was supposed to lead the Cardinals. That was the thing that was supposed to be the thing that you, you hang your hat on. The pitching we thought would be fine, until you needed top-end guys. And I don't think that's changed. We What has been surprising is how how poorly guys like Miles Michaelis and Steven Matz have pitched. But the offense is supposed to be the, the, the real deal. Two days later, I think we're going to have the conversation again. Hey, has the offense found its groove again? Anthony, what we have done as a group, and mainly you, because this tends to be your job since it's your show, um, We've held this offense accountable, and <laughs> Damn right. I think, Anthony, I think that we've seen the results after that. We called it out, said, all right, this ain't good enough, okay? All your hard hit, all your exit velocity, show me them runs. <laughs> they said, well, here's 16 in two games, albeit in Colorado. It doesn't matter. We're like, it's a start. Um, you're welcome, St. Louis. Yeah, right? Finally did it. Anthony, congrats. I'm sure you're getting plenty of texts into the text line saying, finally, Anthony holds them accountable. Because they needed that. Doing what I can, BT. I'm doing what yeah, I can. Now you did it. Uh, I know Jordan Walker is the guy that everybody's been talking about, rightfully so. He's the the 20 year old phenom that has now collected a base hit in uh, 13 consecutive games. 13 or 12? 12. 12. 13 after tonight. Yeah, I like your That's optimism, right. Anthony. That's right. But Nolan Gorman has put on an absolute show thus far. Another home run yesterday. We knew the kid had power, and the power has been there. Whether you're watching MBT or you're you're talking to guys around the ballpark or Gorman specifically, what adjustments has he made to go from cup of coffee? And it was more than a cup of coffee. He was, he was here almost the entire season last year. But somebody that had a little initial success, then cooled off, and then okay, this he's got to like most, he's got to adjust. Now he goes into the the off season. He's, he's and he has just come out of the gates here. Like a bat out of hell. The biggest thing is he's not chasing. Like he's not out there just swinging at everything and anything. Any fastball elevated in the zone. It's like, I can hit this a mile. And then it's like, no, you can't. Watch this. You're, you're, you're sitting down again. Like you can't hit that at all. Uh, that was him last year at times. And if you made the mistake, a lot like Pierce Johnson, which is a painful name, but it is as he did a couple of nights ago where he threw <laughs> that breaking ball for a strike like he's going to kill that like he is going to uh, murder that pitch but the fact that we're seeing him now go the other direction Jamie I'm glad you like that go <laughs> I the took other me a few direction. seconds <laughs> 
took me a beat too. But yeah. he's he's driving the ball where the ball is pitched, and we talked about it again the other day. He had a couple of lineouts in Milwaukee out to Christian Yelich, like right at him, just at him balls that he hit hard. And it, this goes back to the concept of being process oriented instead of result driven. Keep doing that. Okay. Keep doing that. Because these balls that are away from him, big, strong left-hander, you're going to want to stay away from that guy. Chances are if he pulls that pitch, if he tries to pull it, pull it, what's he going to do? He's going to roll over a lot. Like from the flip side, we were just talking about Contreras. I think Contreras right now is trying to justify his contract with every swing in the bat. And he's rolling over six, three, every time if he just takes his time, goes up the middle, goes the other way, he's going to be fine. And I think that Nolan has really realized, and we've talked about him revamping his swing and how he's done it and changing the path of it. But I think he's really realizing that he does not have to swing out of his shoes. It doesn't have to be the perfect pitch for him to drive it out of the ballpark. Like, he just needs to take a good balanced swing and the ball jumps off his back. It was kind of like what you're talking about there, Taylor Motter and Jamie and Marsh and I yesterday when we saw the lineup, we're like, why the hell is Taylor Motter in this lineup again? It wasn't like that. It was, why is he in the lineup over one? Yep, because Yippie had had a couple pretty good games. Well, we found out Taylor Motter, you know, takes that. I mean, he he waited a while. That ball, that ball was in the zone for about an hour, and then he – he went the other way with it and winds up with a, a huge double late in the game. But that's kind of what you're talking about. Sometimes you got to go with the pitch. Sometimes you got to wait a little bit longer, drive that ball, uh, you know, to to right or left center, and just be somebody that can live on doubles. Yeah, and to the idea of why uh, just just on that decision, like the why modern instead of Yepes, they were. Um, I don't want to say terrified. They were mortified of the idea of him like playing the outfield there. Like they just really wanted him to stay away from that. Uh, look, Juan's going to give you everything that he's got, but going in the gap and, and ranging after balls in that ballpark is not an easy task for anybody. So I think they wanted him to stay away from that. And they wanted to get Nolan off his feet for the game. So like, I, I think that's where they landed on, on that one, but you're right. Like that's what you do. You, you hit the ball where it's pitched. Like, you guys make a living out of making you try to do things that you don't want to do with the baseball. I wanted you to try to lift my sinker and then you beat it into the ground. Like that's what I, I wanted you to do. I wanted you to swing early. Now it turns out it only lasts for so long, you know, some, <laughs> some magical spells don't last as long as others. But if you are, if you try to take what the pitcher is going to give you and you try to take away some of their best pitches, and this is something that this Cardinal team has done very well too. This offense talking about outlying numbers that you believe will lead to success. They're spoiling a ton of really good pitches with two strikes. I think the Cardinals might have that. I think it's a fourth or fifth lowest strikeout rate in the game right now. And they have power top to bottom in the order. It was really good to see Tommy Edmond getting going a couple of games ago because he's been struggling, let off the game with a home run the other way, added a double and a single. And then how about him showing off the actual toolbox of laying down a bunt also that ultimately brings Donovan in as Goldie hits a ground ball to the right side through the hole. I think it's I still think it's a really complete offense. Will they get shut down against good pitching at times? Yes, just like every other team get shut down against good pitching at times. But I, I really do believe when you add in all the stuff that they've talked about all year and they, they've wanted to do, they're still fourth in, I think, hard hit rate. They're third in average, third in on-base percentage, fourth in exit velocity. Like all of these outlying numbers are going to tell you you're going to get crooked numbers 
way more often than you're not. So, BT, I was talking to Anthony about this before the show, and, you know, obviously when, when the guys, when the offense is going, it's, it's problematic for, you know, for other teams. That's an obvious statement. But when you look at this lineup, and even though you have – uh, you can have a different lineup almost every day, and I'm talking about the Burlesons, the Yepes, the Taylor Motter. Like we're talking about those those depth pieces that get in and out of the lineup. When when the offense is clicking, there is not a lot of breathing room for the pitchers. You look at that lineup yesterday when they started getting going, when the the offense started picking up speed. I mean, you're going like th- that gauntlet of going through Goldie, Arenado, Gorman, O'Neill when he's like it's just like holy crap, like. There's not a lot of easy outs. You know, you're you're right, and that that was the idea coming into it that you wanted to have that you wanted to have some table setters off the top. Uh, Donovan, you, you liked a couple of games ago the the two walks. You love seeing that. We're seeing Donnie expand his zone a little bit more than you'd like him to, getting a few more punch outs. But they still really like him up there. By the way, all of this is happening without Newt Bar, who's a huge on base percentage guy that has big time power. It's going to be interesting to see what the lineup looks like when he comes back. But to, to your point, Jamie, yesterday, six, seven, eight, nine was Gorman, who we just talked about. He's crushing the ball. O'Neill, who added a, another home run, had a single also. Walker, who's got the hitting streak, who, by the way, again, we're not even scraping the surface of what he is. He's pulling the ball a lot. Everything's on the ground. Wait till he starts actually staying through the baseball and getting it elevated. Watch out. And then Motter, who may not be a household name, but he's got uh, a lot of big league service time. It has pop, right? He's a guy that will end up, not a lot of service time, but a lot of years under his belt. And if you make a mistake to him, he can hurt you. That ends up being the idea. You don't want to give anybody any breathing room. And it's even more important to have length in your lineup right now when you literally, as a pitcher, do not have time to breathe. You, if things are going bad because you three, four, five, the Goldie Arenado Contreras got you. Sorry about your luck. You, you <laughs> might, uh, you, you could pick off once if you like to, twice if you want to. Now the people are going to steal, and you can pray for your pitching coach to come out one time, but then that's it. Like you just do not have too much time. The length of this lineup is going to create issues throughout the season. PT, great stuff. Love having you on the show, man. Have a great rest of your week and your weekend, and we'll see you on Bally Sports Midwest. Hey, can't wait. I'm going to be listening to you guys uh, the rest of the day, all day tomorrow. You guys have a great weekend. I miss you, and I love you guys. We miss you, you too, Nice BT. job, BT. That's our guy, Brad Thompson, Valley Sports and West. Of course, you could check him out uh, uh, throughout the course of the Cardinals season, and you can listen to him right here in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN as he continues to pop in throughout the course of uh, the baseball season. For With Jamie Rivers, I'm Anthony Salter. Jamie, Blues fall last night, 5-2. we got one more game left. That's it, and that's tonight in Dallas jump into a conversation here that we've had a couple of times throughout the course of the year and we might be talking about it throughout the offseason too. Let's talk about the Cardinals instead. Blues next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yeah, it's been an issue. There's no other way to put it, and there's no kind of right answer right now. Uh, we're trying stuff, and it's not working, so I uh, just got to keep on trying stuff until, until it starts working. Robert Thomas, following last night's loss of the Dallas Stars, Blues fall 5-2 to two in one of the issues 
Not only last night, Jamie, but one of the issues that's been there all season long and something we've talked about certainly at great length has been the power play. And it's really it's special teams. And Robert Thomas was referring to the special teams there. But the power play has has struggled. The penalty kill has struggled. We've talked about the impact of losing uh, a head coach in Jim Montgomery. And I know that Jim Montgomery oversaw the special teams a year ago, Jamie. But th- this is a head coach, and we, we've seen what he has done since moving on from uh, being an assistant here in, in St. Louis. But, Jamie, this is, this is going to be something that the Cardinal, the uh, Blues, excuse me, is they're going to have to address in the offseason, not just with different players, but I think it's probably going to have to be a scheme adjustment too. Uh, yeah, the the Blues power play, look, it's been scarce. And, and that's, it's puzzling to me, Anthony. It sits at 19.5% for a power play, which is craziness. The Blues are currently 22nd in the NHL. Last year, I believe they were second. If memory serves me correctly, they were second or right at first. Carolina and the Blues were right at the top of the food chain last year. I guess what I'm trying to highlight, it's a massive drop-off without a massive change in personnel. David Perron should have held on to David Perron. Fine. That's not the issue here with the big drop. David Perron, he might cost you five or six spots. Maybe you're 10th in the league this year then. It's been a greater problem. And Craig Berube has talked about it. Um, he's talked about how the, the pace of the power play is just everything is evolving way too slowly. And when they make plays, they're not, they're not setting up their teammate for success. And so when you're watching the game, all that means is when I make a pass from myself to another player, I want to put it either tape to tape so they can make a nice crisp play after that, or I'm setting it up in a spot to where they can get a shot off. You're setting up your teammate for success. When you just pass the puck because, well, that's what you're supposed to do. That guy's open, pass it, but you pass it behind him. In his skates, in tight, he can't handle it. It's bouncing. That guy now has to sit there and settle the puck, slow it down one more time. So that's where it becomes, the pace becomes an issue, and it's caused by execution. And then the defender can get can get back into to position yeah, they too. can readjust all their they there's no scramble mode at that point it's yeah. an easy transition to just get back to where you're supposed to be uh the next guy fronts the puck stick in the passing lane the backside guy comes in closes off the slot play we're good try again and then the blues even when they're executing sometimes the shot first mentality hasn't been there so they move the puck quickly move it move it move it move it it's all perimeter play I don't even know how many times now I'm looking at plays and, and I'm like, this is the ideal spot for a shot on net. Even if it's just a wrister, you have the opposing team's penalty kill scrambling. You have a net front presence. You've made a couple of successful passes to where you have a shot lane. doesn't have to be the big bomb, and they're not taking it. Then they one more drop pass, and then Cairo loops above the top, and he ends up on his non-one-timer side, and then he gets the puck, and he can't do anything because there's no surprise element to it. And it's because they're not aggressive as far as taking the puck to the net, whether that's physically skating it there or shooting it. I don't know why. I really don't. Because you'd think after a while, the players would just get frustrated and be like, well, I don't care. We're shooting the puck. I've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. One pass, two pass shot. And I, I it, you know, I've watched, played with, played against, and watched current hockey where power plays do that. They simplify the 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 game 
execute it properly and generate pucks to the net. And then they just outbattle you, outwork you. That hasn't been the case so far for the Blues. Uh, not so far. It hasn't been the case at all this year for the Blues power play. And, and that's really hurt them because there's a lot of power play opportunities. I mean, you could go back. I guarantee you go back quickly if you did your, you know, not your homework, if you just wanted to have some fun and go through and figure out how many games the Blues went 0 for 3 or 0 for 4 in a power play and lost the game by a goal or two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those are wins or ties. Those are points that are left out on the board right now or all season long because you couldn't capitalize on your power play. Flip side of that, the penalty kill. This was something that was top five last year for the St. Louis Blues. And now I know you can talk about Jim Montgomery all you want, and you should. His power play is doing pretty good up there in Boston. They're, uh, oh yeah, they're first in the NHL, and the Blues were top three last year. But he also has some pretty good personnel up there in Boston, too. You got Bergeron, you got some other really smart hockey players, good guys. It is what it is. The Blues are 30th in the NHL in penalty kill, 72.1%. And since the trade deadline, it's been not great. Is it because Ryan O'Reilly got traded? I don't know. It was struggling even when he was here. Again, one player shouldn't make that much of an impact on that certain special team. So overall, conceptually, they've got to think of something different. You know, to start the season, they were extremely aggressive. It worked for a couple of games and teams figured it out, which they do. They adjust. Oh, they're super aggressive. Well, guess what? We're going to tighten it up. We're going to make three or four foot passes really quick, tire them out, or give and goes, and we're going to jump by them. And their aggressiveness is going to be their worst enemy. And that's what happened. So then what the Blues do? They retreat back to the middle of the ice. And then we're very uh, passive. And then teams were just loading up bomb town on them. There has to be somewhere in the middle. And the strategy usually is off of an unsuccessful pass or a lack of execution, you pounce. One guy goes, we all go. And now it's all-out pressure, and usually you leave the backside guy open because if they can get the pass through three or four guys, stick lanes, puck, skates, and all that stuff, you tip your hat every now and then. But it just hasn't been in... They haven't penalty killed in unison for a long time. There were some stretches where it went really well, but then maybe the adjustments weren't there. And I will say that that falls on the coaching staff as well. You have to continuously... Work with your penalty kill and evolve both the power play and penalty kill because teams, everybody's watching video. They watch your last game, your last three games, your last five games, your last ten games. They're looking for patterns. And when you see a pattern, you come up with something to counter that. Sure. And that's what teams have been able to do consistently, and therefore you got to continuously change your pattern again as well. Either way, the special teams cost the Blues probably enough games that they would have been in the playoffs. I'm guaranteeing it. If the penalty kill is 15th in the NHL and the power play is 15th, Mm -hmm. the Blues are in the playoffs. Well, they won't be in the playoffs. Tonight's going to be the last regular season game for the Blues. I like your attitude. They're in Dallas. I'm just stating facts on this one. I don't like it. Blues and Stars, 7 o'clock tonight. We've got the pregame right here on 101 ESPN. At 6 o'clock, you'll hear Alex Ferrario. You'll also hear, of course, uh, Chris Kerber, who's going to join us at 3.15, so we'll talk to Curbs ahead of the Blues last game. They'll be in Dallas. We'll have all the action for you right here on the Blues Radio Network, 101 ESPN. Well, surprising teams, teams that have kind of come out of the gates here pretty pretty hot in the National League, make it more stressful for the Cardinals when it comes to the playoffs. I'll say no on this. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're 
right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. left center field Mitchell in pursuit and it's gone Carbon Carroll that's his third and once again the Diamondbacks answer right back the Diamondbacks TV network there on the call Corbin Carroll rookie he's off to a nice start and so the Arizona Diamondbacks surprisingly Arizona is leading the National League West that's right that surprisingly Anthony well because they're not very good, and they play in the same division as the Padres, who spend a bunch of money. The yeah, Dodgers, yeah. who have been good since, uh, I don't know, 10, 15, the last 10, 15 years now. The Diamondbacks are the team leading the, the West. They're 8-5. and five. Looking at some other surprising teams, Pirates, 7-5. and five. I, don't th- I, I wouldn't put the Brewers in the surprising category. They're a good team. I just think that the NL Central should be won ultimately by the Cardinals, and I still feel that way. But the Pirates being seven and five at this point, they've got that they've got a little bit more of an offense that I thought they would, Jamie. Oh, that's all smoke and mirrors, Anthony. Come on now. And the Diamondbacks being eight and five, that's certainly a surprise too. So the question is, will surprising teams in the National League make make this season more stressful for the Cardinals? No. What? I got two reasons for it. The balanced schedule, Anthony. One, I don't think that the Diamondbacks or the Pirates are going to be anywhere near first place, second place, or third place, quite frankly, in the respective divisions by the end of the year. Maybe third. But the Pirates, their pitching isn't good at all. And this is a team that, even though their offense, again, has been better than expected, they lost O'Neill Cruz for a couple of months. Yeah, four. So that's, a huge, that, that's a huge blow to them. And, again, the, pit, the pitching staff isn't very good. Arizona, offensively, I really isn't overly. They're not that surprising, and their, their pitching staff isn't good at all. So they're they're going to sink back in the NLS. So that's that's reason number one. I'm not buying into these teams. The other reason, Jamie, is it's not it's not going to matter. Is that the National League Central, as you and I have both stated, it's going to be one team. It's going to be the division winner. Oh yeah, the Cardinals have to win the division in order to make the playoffs. The Phillies are off to a rough start, but they didn't look great going into the final month of the season last year and kind of struggled. They, they barely made the playoffs, then got hot at the right time, wound up in the World Series. The Braves, the Mets, those teams will get, those teams are off to good starts. Mets dealing with some injuries, but they'll they'll eventually they'll pull away. And then the Padres at seven and six, you know, they went to Atlanta right right after the Braves swept the Cardinals. And the Padres took, I think, two of three from the Braves. It's a good team. They just haven't gotten going yet. There's going to be one team in the, in the Central, Jamie. That's mm-hmm. it. So I don't think that when you look at some of these surprising teams that it adds more stress to the Cardinals from that standpoint. I think it has everything to do with the fact that those teams aren't going to be as good and the ones that, that we expected to be good will be by the end of the year. And it's still only going to have one team in the Central that's going to emerge. You know what that means. Time to play the lineup game here in the fast lane on 101 ESPN as the Cardinals get ready to take on the Pittsburgh Pirates, the aforementioned Pittsburgh Pirates, Jamie. Game one tonight, Vincent Velasquez versus Jordan Montgomery. 
Vincent Velasquez, former Philadelphia Pirate, Jamie. Philadelphia Pirate? Yeah, Philadelphia, uh, uh, Philly, excuse me. This is what happens when I'm trying to talk while pull something something up at the same time. Careful of that. Velasquez, right-hander, Jamie. Yeah. That's all we need to know. RHP. That's right. Okay, this one's easy, I think. Donnie Burke. Donnie Doolittle. Oh, whoa. I don't like that nickname. Why? Brendan Donovan does a lot. Dr. Doolittle. Yeah, but Doolittle? Brendan Doolittle? Okay. Well, maybe it'll motivate Go for it. Show me Brendan Donovan. Dun, dun, dun. All right. Who is it? Burleson? Yes. You think? Absolutely. Sure it's not Taylor Motter? (laughs) (laughs) Big double yesterday, Jamie. Don't mock. I'm not. It's great. All right. Show me Burleson. You hit the nail on the head. Yeah. Well, this one's pretty easy. Show me the big fundy Paul Goldschmidt. I love Gold! <laughs> Show us! Nolan Arenado! Can I say one more thing? Sure. Albert Pujols, I love you, man. <laughs> All right, so. Do you move Wilson Contreras? I, you know, I don't know if you move him or do you, do you play Kisner? I know it's, it's not a spot where you would play Kisner. Can it get any worse? Um, well, either way, you would. I, okay, so to me, it's either Wilson Contreras here, or they move him back one and put Tyler O'Neill here. Oh, I think it would be Gorman. Or Gorman, yeah, lefty against the righty. That's, I think it would. That's be true. Move Gorman. Gorman up. So, do we want to move Gorman up, or do we think it's Wilson Contreras? Do you screw with a veteran guy like that already? If you're Ollie, probably not. It's really not much of a, like. What are you truly gaining with one spot true. in the lineup? Yeah, good call. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, for the amount of peeing in his Cheerios that he could do for sliding him down to one spot for, for what? Yeah. I think it's Wilson Contreras. I'm with you. I think he sticks with it here. Good thought process on that. Show us. Wilson! 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 All right. Now. now. It's your guy, Anthony. Go ahead. Show us Starman Nolan Gorman. <laughs> Stormin' Garbin, he's taking the league by storm. He sure is. Hey. This is Tyler O'Neill. Yeah. Show us Canadian bacon. Oh, Canada. Yes, I, Canada. There you go. This one, Anthony. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, Show us Jordan Walker. Walk it like I talk it, talk it. Walk it like I talk it. Walk it like I talk it. Walk it, walk it like I talk it. Yeah. All right, though. Here, now, here's the question. Is, he, is Tommy Edmond back in? Was that truly a scheduled day off? I yeah. think it was. I think it was, too. I think we get Tommy Edmond back in shortstop. Go for it, Jamie. Show me Tommy Edmond. But right now, I'm going to need you, Tommy boy, to get this place going. All right. Nice job, Jamie. Anthony. Complete. Woo! Top to bottom, Top front to, to bottom, back, baby. Huh? Let's Not go. Not bad. You heard us. You heard us, Marsh. Don't be looking at us that way. Before I, I, just, I just can't believe you got all nine correct Before after how we, crazy these lineups have been. Yeah, we're good, though. Before we get into the home run derby, <laughs> is this is this your lineup moving forward? For what? Is no. this Is this your best lineup? No, it's not. 
No? Dylan Carlson has to be in this lineup somewhere, or Lars Newpar. One of those guys. What like, Burleson's got to get out of there. I think... Whoa, uh, he's been one of your best hitters. I like him. He's fine. Come off the bench then. Great. DH, off the bench. Not hitting like you this. Asked me if, you asked me if this was our best lineup, and I said no. And then yeah. you criticized my opinion. You got your opinion, Anthony? Uh-huh. Go ahead. Is Let me do this. Let me do the Anthony Stalter. Is this the lineup going for? Is this our best lineup moving forward? I think so. Yeah. The guys no, who, that's really that's the guys really, with, the, with the way they're hitting Jamie conviction. Alec, Alec Burleson, not gonna take him out of the lineup. Mm, Be crazy. I too. am if Lars Newpar is healthy. Yeah, but I don't know. Tyler O'Neill spanking a ball like he is. Come on, at least for one game, two games. I didn't say I was taking him out. Burleson is is the guy. He's out. If Lars Newpar is is hitting and playing the way he can, Burleson's the guy. Left bat for left bat. O'Neill slides back to right field. They put Newpar at center field. That's it. Okay. Anthony, I agree with you. Thanks, Marsha. Well, you're both wrong. It's fine. We don't know what new bar can be, so. We know what he when is. When he comes back. He pepper you know, grinds all over the place. Well, he will. He I think will he's bringing sure. that grinding all the way down to Springfield. Has to. It, it, it travels with mm-hmm. him everywhere. Don't blame you. Mm-hmm. Are you guys ready for the uh, the lineup? But your sweet, sweet rear end we are. Oh, my rear end is sweet, isn't it? Um, okay. Sure is. From the, or I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> l- all right, lead off. <laughs> From the, oh, yeah. Run it. From the 314. From the University of. <laughs> All right. Leading off, Brendan Donovan. He's playing second, batting second. We have Alec Burleson. He is in left field. Paul Goldschmidt's batting third. He's playing first. Nolan Arnado, third baseman. He is batting fourth, batting fifth. Wilson Contreras. He's catching. Nolan Gorman is batting sixth. He is the DH. Batting seventh. Tyler O'Neill in center. Jordan Walker. He is batting eighth. He's in right field and batting ninth. Tommy Edmond, the shark stop. Back, 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 back. Stay fair! Go fair! Go fair! I don't believe what I just saw! Home run! All right, Jamie, why don't you lead us off, kid? Who did uh, Who did everybody have yesterday? I forgot. We, we didn't, didn't ever get to it. We didn't do the home run derby. That's so right. we're still at one. That's it? Yeah. yeah. You're in the lead. And this, by the way, we have, our guys have hit home runs. They have to be the first Cardinal, though, to hit yes, a home run. Yes, first of the game. So, first Cardinal. First of Cardinal game. of the game. Yeah. Go ahead, Jamie. I feel like this is a tough one. I really do. I mean, well, you know, I, for me, Paul Goldschmidt, I feel like it's Goldie time at Bush tonight. The weather's beautiful. He's been swinging the bat pretty well taking his walks means you're gonna have to pitch to him hit the home run yesterday yeah i know and goldie usually he he hits in bunches oh i'm sorry or not hit the home run yesterday yes you're right goldie had a double i believe or, yeah he goldie, ripped one down the line yes for, and he ran one and then yep. he ran another mm-hmm. one out so i'm going paul gold i'm going with the rl chalk on this one <laughs> paul goldschmidt i love gold i do all right marsh paul goldschmidt off the board which route are you going with? You know, I picked him for the beat the streak, and, uh, well, he let me down. I'm going back with Brendan Donovan. Wow. Uh, I believe he's going to hit the first home run today. That is my pick. Dun, dun, dun. Wow. You're going oh. back to him again? Yeah. You, that poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> leave him alone. He won't hit a home run for a month Why don't you leave him alone, Marsh? 
whatever. All right, I'm going to go with Nolan Arenado. Oh, with- that's a good one, Anthony, too. I'll go with the other RL chalk. Can I say one more thing? Albert Pujols, I love you, man. There you have it. Yeah. Jamie has got Paul Goldschmidt to hit the first Cardinals home run. Marsh has Brendan Donovan to hit the first Cardinal home run. And I have Nolan Arnauto to hit the first Cardinals home run. We are going to talk to Chris Kerber next. He's the voice of the Blues. He'll be on the call tonight as the Blues visit the Dallas Stars. Last regular season game for the Blues. We'll talk to Kerbs about it next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Tonight at 6 o'clock, you'll hear the pregame show for the Blues and the Stars right here on 101 ESPN, followed by the call of tonight's game on the Blues Radio Network. And the man on the call, of course, is Chris Kerber, who joins us right now in the fast lane with Jamie Rivers and Anthony Stalter. Kerbs, uh, I know that you love hockey. I know that you love Blues hockey. I know that you love your job. But season like this goes down the way it has. There's got to be somewhat enjoyment that uh, tonight you can kind of wrap it all up. You know, it's, it's a funny aspect of things, Anthony, because in that sense, yeah, you, you know that since it's inevitable, you want it to stay that way. Uh, and you're like, okay, let's just get it over with. But I, I, was, I was thinking about this about a half hour ago. I, there's nothing. I, I absolutely love sitting behind a microphone calling a game. And, and, and when I sit back, I'm like, man, most of April, May, June, July, August, we're talking nearly five and a half, six months before we get to do it again. That that part kind of stinks. So I'm going to just, uh, we'll take in tonight. Hopefully we see a good effort, uh, some fun, and uh, and enjoy the last one for a little while. But as, as Jamie knows, when you're sitting there doing a game, and just like you guys doing a show, man, it's just, it's kind of go time and it's enjoyable. It's what we do. Yeah, it is. It's, it's a lot of fun, that's it's for what sure. what we do. That's right. Hey, Curves, uh, a young man by the name of Hugh McGing made his NHL debut last night. He got the the customary victory lap. No bucket on out there yesterday. It's always fun, isn't it, to see a young player get out there for their first NHL game? I was talking with him last night when we got here to the hotel. Is uh, Those young guys are making sure that they're waiting for all the veteran guys to get on the elevator first. And, um, and, and I just said, how'd it go? And, and he, he, he mentioned about three or four times how cool it was that his family was able to get down from Chicago to see him. So, uh, awesome moment. Uh, I, I'm really, I, I think it was a great thing by the organization too. It sends, it sends several messages, doesn't it, Jamie? It sends a message. One, uh, your draft pick, you matter Two, you go down there, you play hard. We'll notice it. And that he's done that for three years, and his first year was the COVID year when they were in Utica, which was a challenge. You know, and then, and then more importantly, you know, it's it's just it it sends a message throughout the organization that uh, that they'll give you a chance to come up and play, and and I think that's 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 an extremely important carrot that the coach in the minor leagues and the players in the minor leagues know exist because that's what helps fuel the work ethic down there. So cool experience for him. Thought he looked just fine. Boy, you could see his speed. He's a small guy, just five point uh, five feet six. But at the same time, to hear him just said, the most important thing being the fact that his family was able to get in and see it, it, had, it gave him such pride that I thought it was awesome. 
Curves, a two-part question for you here regarding Hugh McGing and his line mates last night. At any point, did you confuse him with Nathan Walker? And part two of this question is, if you had $100 to bet on which one of them is taller, is it McGing, Krug, or Walker? Uh, okay. If I had to put 100 bucks, I'm going... I'm going Krug on the left is the tallest, Walker in the middle, and McGing on the right. Oh, now we're going to have to find out. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we'll have to have Ray really have a measure off before the game tonight. Yeah, well, listen, here's the one thing I know about all three of them. A lot of those guys play like they're six foot four, six foot five, and they play a lot different than some of our tallest guys. So, uh, you know, don't let's not – again – the heart of the lion might be uh, more important than the size of the cat. No, I agree 100%. I said that about Nathan Walker last week. I said Nathan Walker skates around like he's six foot four. Don't anybody tell him he's not because of the way he plays. And that's why I kind of asked you the question about, you know, confusing McGing and Walker last night. Both smaller guys in stature, uh, both left handed shots, but both get after it. They're buzzing out there, finishing their hits, getting in, winning puck battles. I really liked what I saw. Man, there's. The- there's just something very basic, just very basic about the game of hockey when a player comes in. And if you're Nathan Walker, you've got a one-way contract next year, but you know there's no guarantee. Somebody can just simply put you on waivers, and then you're just getting paid one-way money to play down to the minors if you don't get picked up, right? Uh, you've got to do things that make yourself valuable. And i got to tell you, at least in my time with the Blues, frankly, maybe my time in pro hockey, I don't know if there's an easier coach to understand what you need to do to make yourself valuable to this coach and, and what he expects. And so maybe it's not – maybe down in Springfield you're sitting there, hey, I'm on top six player, I'm on the power play, I'm on the penalty kill. You know, but, but that's not an option here. So if your only option is, is, is six, seven minutes on the fourth line, you better find a way to make sure you're noticed and understood on that fourth line or you don't stick. It's just really that simple. And you can fight it mentally – you can fight it physically. You can sit there and say, well, this isn't right. They're not using me right. They're not giving me a chance. They're not doing this. Hey, here's the question. Do you want to stay in the National Hockey League right now and get seen enough that maybe even another team creates an opportunity for you or not? And if the answer is yes, then you know exactly what you have to do. And in my opinion, guys like Nathan Walker have that figured out and know exactly what they have to do. Chris Kerber, voice of the Blues, right here on the Blues Radio Network, 101 ESPN, joining us here in the fast lane. Kerbs, what do you think the number one storyline will be this offseason for the Blues? Well, the clear most important thing of the next big moment for the St. Louis Blues is going to be May 8th. That's that's the first number one storyline uh, that, that you cross. That's when they, they do the draft lottery. The Blues cannot finish uh, any lower than the 11th overall pick, which means even if at 3%, they were to win that draft lottery, they get the first overall pick. And there's two drawings for the second and the first. So there's two opportunities for the Blues to move up to either number two or number one. So that, that to me, is, is number one. Now, depending on what happens with Washington, Detroit, and Vancouver, all those games playing tonight, and what happens with the Blues, the Blues could end up finishing as high as the eighth overall pick. So May 8th is the, is the next most important day. That sets where they're going to pick. Will they have their first top 10 pick since taking Alex Petrangelo uh, for fourth overall? We'll have to wait and find that out. After that, it's clearly what do they do on the draft right at the end of June in Nashville. That's the next big storyline. Who do they pick with that high pick? What do they do with the other two first-round picks in the rest of the draft? 
uh, is the next big storyline. And then clearly the third one is going into free agency. You know that this team does not have a whole heck of a lot of cap space, only four and a half to five million in cap space, assuming that the cap does not go up more than the one million dollars. So are they going to move some players out at the draft into free agency? And then what does Doug Armstrong do? He told you he was looking for a a middle range 26-year-old player with term. Uh, that's the type of player he's looking for. So to me, those are the biggest storylines heading from now until July 1st that I think I'm looking at. Curbs, when we look at this Blues roster, what is the what is the number one thing that the Blues need to address going into next season? Because there are a lot of positives in this lineup. I was talking to Anthony yesterday about it, and you go through this, this group of players, you go player for player, and they're not that far off. It's not like it's a disastrous squad. This is a really good group of players that just didn't have the success they needed this year. But if you're Doug Armstrong, what are you trying to isolate? Are you looking for you know a defenseman? I know the, it's a crowded dance floor already back there. Or are you looking for another forward? Is it a checker? Is it a scorer? What would be, your, in your opinion, what would you look for? Well, you, have, you figure you're 14 points out of a playoff spot. That's seven wins. What, what do you have to do differently with this group of players to find seven wins? And to me, it's very clearly one thing that will give you a chance, and that is that is your defending as a five-man unit. So, Jamie, I, I don't know so much that I, – I, look, there's clearly a hole. If Pavel Buchnevich stays at center, there's clearly a hole on the left wing. If Pavel Buchnevich moves back to the wing, there's clearly a hole at center. So there are obvious holes that have to be filled in that but whatever those holes and however those holes are filled and whether or not you move a defenseman or two and open up some room for a Tyler Tucker, maybe a Matt Kessel to move into the fold. However, that all shakes out. The one thing that has to change, whether it be through attitude, through grit, through personality, or through systems, the team defense as a unit five on five has to improve. We saw it on the first goal of the game last night. The puck comes in. It's Suter that puts it on goal. Hofer makes the save. The defensemen were defending the play right in the middle and on the other side. And it was another player. It was a forward, Johnston, that gets to the puck, puts it in off the rebound before we even see two veteran forwards that were out on the ice getting back into the picture to defend it. There just hasn't been a hard enough commitment, I think, as a unit of five to defend. And it's left a lot of individualistic play out there as a result. So, yeah, look, there are some... There are some personnel things that need addressing, but I'm not sure those personnel things matter if uh, if the overall system and, and attention to that kind of detail from the players on the ice makes it uh, – if, if that part doesn't change, then I don't know that the personnel makes a difference. Curbs, enjoy the last call of the year, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon, man. All right, guys, have an awesome, uh, have an awesome week. Thanks for all the help this season, and uh, we'll talk to you sometime next week. We appreciate you. Thanks, Kerb. See ya. All right. See you guys. All right. That's Chris Kerber, voice of the Blues again, right here on 101 ESPN. Pre-game starting at 6, where the Blues, or as the Blues take on the Dallas Stars, and the puck will drop about 7 o'clock, and you can listen to the coverage right here on 101 ESPN. We have What's Trending coming up next on the Fast Lane. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. What's trending in the world of sports? The Fast Lane has you covered. What's trending now? Brought to you by Goodwill. Donate to Goodwill and get a half price Cardinals ticket voucher.
Welcome back to the Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. Anthony Stalter, Jamie Rivers. I'm Andrew Marsh, and it's time for What's Trending. Uh, some big news today in the NFL, but before we get to that, uh, one thing from the NHL, the Chicago Blackhawks announced tonight will be Jonathan Tay's last game as a Blackhawk. They put a statement up on Twitter from their GM, Kyle Davidson. So now Patrick Kane is gone. And Jonathan Tay's playing his last game as a Blackhawk. End of an era. End of an era. See ya. Yeah. It was a good era, though. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I mean, damn. Yeah, an era. Three cups and uh, a lot of uh, nights of frustration for the Blues during that heyday, as well as every other team in the Western Conference, for that matter. That was a matter, only a matter of time. You know, Patrick Kane, uh, you knew somebody was going to to move on uh, and take him and, and you know try to go for some kind of a Stanley Cup run. The Rangers did that. Patrick Kane wanted to go there, and, and they wanted him. So that's a, a nice match made in heaven. Uh, Jonathan Taze, I'm not surprised, guys. I'm not surprised. You know, uh, BK and Ferrario earlier today were talking about the idea of Jonathan Taze signing as a blue. I think Alex brought it up, and BK said, no, he's not interested. I would agree with BK on this one. Knowing what I know here about the last couple of years of Jonathan Tay's run in Chicago, very respectable player, good leader, all that. I think it's the end of the road for Jonathan Mm -hmm. Tay's. He's had a hard time staying healthy. Uh, He's been a little bit overweight throughout the season. It just, it hasn't been exactly the way you want. And at 35 years old, you know, I don't see him being a contributor to the Blues team the way they want it to be. Maybe somebody else takes a shot at it but nonetheless his career his his tenure as a Blackhawk should be celebrated by Blackhawks fans doesn't have to be us we don't have to celebrate it no. I can respect it <laughs> no 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 uh, I can respect it I don't have to celebrate it and I won't uh, but I do respect him as a hockey player and the fact that he's had such a great run I do too he uh, one is uh Three-time cup champion, a gold medalist, and he went to my alma mater. So I have to give him some respect. But uh, it'd be weird seeing him be a blue. And I feel like it'd be weird for Blackhawk fans. It's just something that I don't think he would do. Um, But uh, it says it's weird saying, like, congratulations on a great career to a player that you on a team that you don't like. Mm Mm-hmm. In terms of him being a blue, Jamie, I think you're, you're absolutely right. I just... I'm good with the one-year deals. I, I think that, that whether it's the Cardinals or the Blues, I think they should be more aggressive when it comes to the one-year deals. And the Blues have actually, I think, done done a better job than the Cardinals have in that regard. But it just doesn't. That one just doesn't make sense at all. No, and you bring in a 35-year-old guy who's been a captain on a team since he was what 19 or 20 years old. He comes into this team. He's clearly not the leader of this team. Clearly, right. Braden Shen is the leader of this team, or Justin Falk, or Tori Krug, or, you know, like you've got a good group of leaders. If Ryan O'Reilly were to come back, that's an easy shift for the club. They know him, they know what he's about. Bringing in another entity that's had such massive success in the NHL, and he's been a captain, and, and maybe he does things differently. Sometimes. Although nobody's at fault, it can just cause more harm than good. Yeah. New events in the Dan Snyder saga. This time, it looks like he is going to sell the Washington Commanders. 
I think this is huge for the NFL. It's not just huge for Washington's fan base that has had to watch as their beloved uh, football team slash now commanders have just been taken to the, you know, the depths of NFL purgatory because Daniel Snyder doesn't know what he's doing. And uh, you've read the reports coming out of there, whether it's, you know, people being on the record and having, you know, issues within that organization. Uh, players, former players talking about the conditions there in Washington. I hope that, and Jamie, you, you, maybe you could speak to this. You know, I don't, I don't know much about Josh Harris, the Devils owner and the 76ers owner, but he seemingly is somebody that, that wants to win and cares about his teams. And the NFL will benefit from having a competent owner in a market that the fan base is absolutely rabid in Washington. I mean, well, that's all a around really the country. good fan base. You know, formerly the Redskins, Washington football team, now the Commanders. Those fans are everywhere. Yep. Uh, and they're passionate, to your point, Anthony. I grew up on, at the time, Washington Redskins football, John Riggins. You know, mm-hmm. these guys, Like it was like, wow. Yeah. Dexter Manley. You had some serious players back in the day. I remember Art Monk and yes. those teams, Doug Williams, Mark Rippon. Unbelievable. A lot of fun. Uh, so hopefully this new ownership group can bring that fire back to this team, this franchise. Uh, what I do know about the ownership group is the Devils owner, yes, he's not afraid to spend money, uh, but in the right way. He's investing in people, and then the right people bring in the talent, and there's a certain expectation surrounding it. Uh, Magic Johnson is a part of this group as well. And uh, he look, he's had a lot of personal success as an athlete for mm-hmm. various reasons. Super talented, driven, smart, all that stuff. He's invested into the, the Dodgers, part owner of the Dodgers, rather. And now he's you know expanding over to the Washington Commanders. This has a recipe for success. Agreed. You know, so I, I'm excited to see this, the, the new era of Washington football. All right, that'll do it for What's Trending here in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN with Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stalter. Uh, programming note, Dan McLaughlin's going to join us tomorrow here in the Fast Lane. So Danny Mack will be with us uh, from 2 to 6, actually 5.30, because the NBA playoffs continue tomorrow night, and we're going to co- cover some of those games or carry some of those games. you got Game 1, Heat and Bulls, and the pregame tomorrow is 5.30. So we will have Danny Mack from 2 to 5.30 tomorrow. We also need a new gauntlet contestant. Fastlane putting together a pretty good streak. We've won four days in a row. I, Marsha, hate that you have put this little note out there for me. It's just a statistic. It's a statistic that just doesn't feel good because we've had such a poor run in Gauntlet 2.0. But we have had a nice four-day win streak for us in the Fastlane. We're 8-2 in the last 10 Gauntlets, so we're trending in the right direction. If you want to put a stop to us, text in Gauntlet to the Air Comfort Service tax line at 314 399 9646, maybe you'll have your opportunity to run the gauntlet here in the fast lane. Doubt it. boy, Jamie. Love the confidence. <laughs> Who's been the most surprising player thus far for the Cardinals? It's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Early on.
on your one and then still confidence in, in guys and um, this is a, a great start for him to, to build off of. He's hitting, to your point, some meaningful home runs, not just home runs in the third when you're up four. They're to tie ball games to give you the lead, and uh, that's been really, really good. That's Cardinals manager Ollie Marmel talking yesterday about Nolan Gorman and what a performance Nolan Gorman has had thus far for the Redbirds. Uh, another home run yesterday. And Jamie, for my money, Nolan Gorman has been the most surprising Cardinal, and we can we can look at it positive and you know maybe maybe a bit of a, dr- a surprise in a bad way. What? But for me, Nolan Gorman has been the the best surprise. What about you? Uh, he's right at the top of the list. I, I do feel like it's almost a tie at the top of the list, and the reason I say this is because with Nolan Gorman being at that top of the list. And the season that he had last year where he has pop, there's no doubt. But he also chases, he also did chase pitches all over the place and fastballs up high he could never get a hold of and he'd chase them every single time. So yes, big surprise in the way he's adjusted things and and the way he's playing and the way he's hitting the baseball. And he's hitting those home runs at crucial times too. They're not just fluff home runs at the end of a game where they're they're meaningless. These are big time home runs. Yeah, up five, down five, then now now he comes. Yeah, exactly. No, these are game separators to where you're tied or behind by a run and you're you know you're advancing your team uh with that that home run the other guy for me is jordan walker and and the reason he's the biggest surprise for me is because i don't really know what we truly expected he probably 50 percent of cardinal nation heading into spring training maybe more thought well he's going to start in memphis and we understand why you know don't want to start the clock um, he's got some adjustments to make. He's never faced even AAA pitter, pitchers at this point. Let's get you know, let's make sure we do this right. And so I feel like then, as spring training went on, obviously that number changed. To a lot of people, thought he would break camp with the Cardinals, with the big team, come back to St. Louis here to get started. But I don't think anybody had these expectations. Historical start to a rookie season, not just as a Cardinal overall. Yeah. To where he's tied the record of 12 straight games uh, to start your career with a hitting streak. I didn't expect that. I thought we'd get some pop out of the young man. Thought we'd see some flashes. Be like, okay, now I see it. Like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, yeah. When he when he finally finds his game, well, I'm still saying that. But the kid's getting a hit in every game. Yeah. You know. So for me, those are the two guys that. I think they're tied at the top of the list of surprising Cardinals. Yeah, we, we're, say, we're saying that with Jordan Walker as, a, hey, it's a surprise that – not a surprise because we expected him to be good, but it, this is a 20-year-old kid, and it's his first taste of big league pitching, and he has collected a hit in every game that he has played thus far. And, oh, by the way, he's played in every single game. So I agree, Jamie, it's important to point that out. Not a surprise at all, but I think the way that Paul Goldschmidt has started the season off is is at least worthy of some praise. Nobody's oh, yeah. surprised by it. He's usually always got a um, average ish April because yeah, he starts he starts off kind of slow. It's got to heat up a little bit. Anthony. Sure, sure. But I think I think whether it's Nolan Gorman or Jordan Walker, I think those are those are two good selections. I mean, Gorman Gorman has four home runs thus far. He's got ten hits, four home runs. And he's driven in 10. I mean, he has been everything and more for for this Cardinals team. I think the other – there's other one, one other surprise, and maybe, Marsh, I'll save it for you if you're if you're ready to mention it. I am. 
It's Alec Burleson. Yep, there was the other surprise. You look at his uh, numbers last year in 16 games, he had 48 at-bats. He was batting 188, uh, only had one double. He had one home run. Um, but this year in eight games, he has about 30 at-bats now. Uh, he has three doubles, and he's batting 300. I think he's just a guy that we did not expect to be playing this much. I mean, he we did not expect him after the spring training he had to have this much of an impact early on in the season. You know, if I'm if I'm like re, if I'm looking at this and based on the expectations from the start of the season to now, he might be it. I didn't expect him to make the roster. Not not because he wasn't good enough, just because I thought maybe this was a guy that wasn't going to get an, enough ABs to justify a roster spot. Juan Yepes is somebody that I think you put on the bench and you're okay if there's some stretches where he doesn't play. Alec Burleson, to me, isn't in that same category. I thought he would be in Memphis, Jamie, getting the getting the reps, getting some at-bats, maybe improving a little bit as a defender, and then we'd see him if there was if there was an injury at some point. Not only has he made the did he make the roster, he has been great. He's, he's been in two for you consistently. So if I take a step back, I think Alec Burleson is my, is my biggest surprise. Yeah, too. and I think you're not wrong, either of you guys, on that one because of – and I think it's to your point, Marshy – because of the way last season went, mm-hmm. even though it's a small sample size, I think, what you say, 48 plate appearances? Yeah, 48 uh, compared to 30 this year. And you look at the hits, he has the same amount of hits that he had last year and during that stint already. I think, it, I think it makes a difference for some of these guys to go through a spring training and you're ramping it up in real time with the major leaguers rather than heading down to Memphis. And Alec Burleson had a tremendous season in AAA last year, which is why he got an opportunity up here at the big club. But to me, there's always something different of kind of jumping in with everybody that's already moving at 100 miles an hour, Mm -hmm. and you're trying to ramp it up on the fly. With expectations. Yeah, that's kind of what being called up towards the latter part of a season is when – a lot of these guys are in playoff races and things are heating up and like that's that's a tough one. Mm-hmm. So for him to have spring training and kind of ramp it up at the exact same time as everybody else, I think that's helped him and so far it's paying off. I think it's good to have a guy like this for late in the season too. You don't me personally, I don't expect him to be your everyday left fielder the entire, you know, season. At some point, Newt Bar will be in there, and hopefully he does well. But if those guys struggle, you have a guy that you can rely on in Alec Burleson to to put in the lineup and to produce. Which player has struggled the most that's been surprising? Which which player have you been surprised uh, with that has struggled the most? It de- I mean, Miles Michaelis, I think, would be the obvious. I didn't expect him to pitch this, this poorly. Right there with him. There's another player that's a position player that has surprised me. For me, we just talked about him. Not too long ago. Wilson Contreras. Same. And you know what? I think that uh, BT brought up something that I agreed with. I, did, I didn't say it the same way, but I thought it is, you know, BT said he's trying to uh, justify that contract with every at-bat. Right. It's one way of putting it, and I don't disagree at all. And I was going to word it as he's, he's trying to erase the ghosts of Yachty and also show that, you know, this is why you signed me right. for the, the pop is not just – I think he's – for me, he's taking on a lot of this uh, upon himself. Like, he didn't go to the WBC, 
He wanted to come and get used to being in Cardinal spring training and work on some things in the Cardinal way. And he said all the right things and did all the right things. And I feel that because he's had a cold start, now he's really pressing. You can almost see he's wearing it almost. Like when he's up at bat, like you see in his face, like he's, it's not a relaxed, cocky Contreras that you saw wearing the Cubs uniform. He'd step up in that box before he dared you to throw stuff. I dare you. Throw that. Throw that. And now it's like, hope he doesn't throw that. Right. It's what it looks like. Yeah. So for me, that's the positional player. Same. He looks like he's getting himself out. I thought that yesterday watching watching the game. We were down at the MSC, and, and Marsh had the game on his computer, and we were kind of checking in and out. And then when I went back and watched watched the clips, I, I thought this is somebody that's getting himself out a lot of times. He's jamming himself. Or he's rolling over. And BT had a great breakdown of that. And I and I agree with – I thought it was a perfect way to say it that BT said, that you just echoed. He looks like he's trying to justify the contract on every swing. I expect him to be better. I expect him to to figure this out. He's a big leaguer, and he was worth he was worth the money based on his track record. But this has been a bad start for Wilson Contreras. There's no other way around it. And then yesterday, of course, he he has the the ball go off. You know, he had a four yeah, seamer go off his glove. That was actually kind of understandable when I watched that two or three times over. That's a pitch that's low in the zone, and he's trying to pull it up. Into he's trying to frame it, mm-hmm. and. That's a tough thing to do when you got a pitch that's coming in at 85 to 90 miles an hour, and he's trying to stab at it to pull it back up into the strike zone. He sure. missed his timing on it. It's something he should do. It's something that's expected from a catcher. Don't get me wrong. I'm not yeah. letting him off the hook. But looking at that play, it wasn't like it was totally egregious. Catchable. I know, Anthony. Catchable. I just said that. You didn't say it the way I did. No. I put some thought into it. (laughs) (laughs) Well said. Before you guys laugh at me, I have a player in mind that uh, I think is surprisingly struggling right now. And he's not even really struggling, but compared to his numbers last year. You say Brendan Donovan. You better take some ownership in that. Brendan Donovan. Oh, Oh, come on. Why do you not like him? Take Take some ownership in that, Marsh. It is my fault. Thank you. It's half my fault, half his fault. Guy was raking, <laughs> raking before you decided to take him for your for your first ever beat the streak. Okay. Well, the you know only what? one that you've missed, by the way. Yeah. Bad, too. So I'll go back to what Jamie asked you. Why do you hate this guy? I don't hate Brendan Donovan, but I am going to read off some numbers. Uh, uh, here last year, his OBP was 394. It's 277. Obviously, we're early on in the season. Average is down. His strike, uh, his strikeouts, though, he's had 11 strikeouts already through uh, his 11 games played. Last year, he only had 70. He played in 126 games, 391 ABs, and struck out 70 times. He's already struck out 11 times in 42 at-bats. I wonder... If him switching things up, we saw more power in spring training. We Told saw the power you be already. The I wonder if there's what? something different to his approach. Why are you doing this? What? It has you nothing know, to do with my know, curse. It's the approach, Anthony. You know that uh, Jamie has been waiting for this since opening day when, <laughs> I, said, when I said that Brennan Donovan will hit 15-plus home runs. Jamie Rivers was like, oh, now he's going to be swinging for the fences all <laughs> yep. the time. And the thing that... I mean, are you yep. guys in cahoots? Is that no. what this is? And no. You guys got together no. and said, you know, I'm just going to, let's just bag on Brendan Anthony, Donovan. the numbers do not lie. 
I said it then. I'll say Got it now. Right I said here. the same damn thing about Harrison Bader. These guys get confused. A little pop every now and then. They get confused. They grow out their hair. Uh, They're shaking their hair in the wind. Enough. They're running. They can't keep their Harris helmets on. got nothing on. to do with it. It is in my world it does. Okay. And now he's swinging for the fences. OBP, yeah, you know me, is gone. Okay. Get back to basics, Donnie. Anthony doesn't like the long hair. He prefers the high and tight. High and tight. <laughs> Sarge. <laughs> Sergeant Stalter. Ugh. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN, and we got the gauntlet next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Can you survive the gauntlet? Four oh two in the fast lane. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Jamie Rivers and Andrew Marsh and Anthony Stalter. We welcome in Phil to the Gauntlet. What's up, Phil? How's it going, guys? We're doing great, man. First time in the Gauntlet? Yes, it is. Been trying for years. Oh well, congratulations! Your first opportunity. Would you like to? Well, have you thought about this? Then have you thought about like the the direction you'll go in, how you'll stack us? I you know I've, I've thought a lot about it, and I do have a game plan, but I'm not going to share it. One by one. Hopefully. I think that's fair. Yeah, I like that. Wow. Phil. Okay, we'll I like that a lot. Check here. I like that. Yeah, All right, absolutely. Phil. Well, we're gonna. We, you have to reveal at least the first person that you're gonna take. Take exactly. Uh, you know, I feel like they've been they've been on a heater lately. Uh, Mr. Andrew Marsh. Wow. So you're gonna take on Marsh first? Yeah, I'm going Marsh. Okay, right. here we go. That's my third day in a row. Marsh is exactly. uh, yeah. Marsh has been part right. of this this win streak. Uh, maybe here. you're tired. You know, maybe you need a day off. My goodness, he's catching at the right time. Maybe yeah, never I need, I need to get we, off my legs, you yeah. know. We get Taylor Motter in here. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Marsh. Uh, before Marsh goes into the, the uh, cone of silence, Phil, tell him to spin the wheel. Spin that wheel. All right, there you go. Phil, what, uh, what are you hoping for here, kid? You know, I, I wouldn't mind playing this strong suit and going to some random. What's the one that you don't want to do? Oh man, uh, probably probably hockey, old hockey. <laughs> okay, well, it is hockey. I don't know if it's old, but it is hockey. The wheels, yeah, the wheel spun hockey. Uh, I don't know if you were hoping for that or not. Well, obviously you weren't, but. When it comes to whether or not it's new hockey trivia or old hockey trivia, we don't know. We don't We're know. about to get the launch yeah. codes right here. All right. All right. So we do have the questions, and it looks like uh, looks like it's fairly new. So, ish. I'm ish. probably gonna go over that. Okay. <laughs> Braggadocious. All right, Phil. You know the rules, but for those that don't, Phil and Marsh are gonna get the same four questions today. Jamie, each question is worth two points. Anthony. What if one of the guys need the options? Only one point then. What if they completely miss the question? Well, we laugh and it's zero points. That's right. Phil, you ready? Let's go. All right. Question number one. Who was the captain of the Dallas Stars when they last won the Stanley Cup in 1999? Yeah, let's get those options. Okay. <laughs> uh, Darian Hatcher, Brett Hall, Mike Madano. Madano. Final answer? Final answer. Question two. Thomas Grice is the first German-born player to play for the Blues since who in 2014-2015? Oh, the first German. Cheese and rice. Uh, let's get those <laughs> options. Cheese and rice. Was it Marcel Gotch, Oli Jokinen, Magnus Payarvi? 
or Pi RV. Uh, let's do Yokinen. Finally. All right. Question number three, Phil. Tyler Pitlick has played for seven different NHL teams. Which team did he start his career with? Oh, yeah. Let's get those options. Dallas. <laughs> Dallas Stars. You sound like me and when I'm doing hockey. Uh, Dallas Stars, Edmonton Oilers, Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, let's go Flyers. Final? Final answer. All right, Phil. Last question. Question number four. The Maple Leafs and the Lightning are meeting in the playoffs for the second season in a row. Who was the leading goal scorer in that series last season with four goals? Let's just go. I repeat it one more time. Yeah, the Leafs and the Lightning are meeting in the playoffs for the second season in a row. Who was the leading goal scorer in that series last year with four goals? I feel like Margie's going to take a stab at it, but I'm going to take the options just to uh, just go for it. All right. Was it Austin Matthews, Andre Palat, or Mitch Marner? I feel like I should know this, but let's go Matthews. This is a safe gamble. Final answer? Yeah. I just I think I heard my wife laughing upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, okay, so what uh I'll hold off on this. Yeah, we're gonna oh, wait no. for Marcia yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, let's not get them as they lock. No, no, yeah, no, yeah, there yep. you go. All right, Marsha's walking in from the cone of silence right now. I think he just needed a pack of snack today. <laughs> Light snack. <laughs> What's up? Don't worry about uh, it, Marsh. Are you locked in or not? Okay. I'm locked in. I was listening to Ryan Ludwig's uh, walk-up song. So for those out there listening, what if they know it? it, well, we'll just let the listeners guess. Okay. I'll tell all you right. at the end. All, all, all right. right. All right. Take it easy there. Oh, it's a tease there. Jamie, tell them. Uh, pack a light lunch. Okay. All right. <laughs> Question number one, Marsh. Who was the captain of the Dallas Stars when they last won the Stanley Cup in 1999? That's right. It's hockey. Mm. Who was the captain of the Dallas Stars when they last won the Stanley Cup in 1999? I think I said 90. I'm sorry. 1999. 1999? Yes. I believe it was Darren Hatcher. Final answer. All right, Marshy, question two. Thomas Grice is the first German-born player to play for the Blues since who in 2014-2015? German player. I believe that was Marcel Gotch or not Gotch? Gotch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. G or G O C. I believe he was German. Um, I'm gonna go with Marcel. Yeah. Final answer. Are you sure? He said final answer. I All did. Right. Yeah. Tyler Pitlick. Maybe I was wrong. Has played for seven different NHL teams. Which team did he start his career with? Tyler Pitlick. Oh my goodness. All right. He's with the Canadians. I believe he was with the Philadelphia Flyers. Can you read the, read the question again? Tyler Pitlick has played for seven different NHL teams. Which team did he start his career with? Let's use the options. Dallas Stars, Edmonton Oilers, Philadelphia Flyers. I'll just go with Philly just because I said their team name. So we'll go with the Flyers. Final answer. All right, Marshy, question four. Final question. 
The Maple Leafs and the Lightning are meeting in the playoffs for the second season in a row. Who was the leading goal scorer in that series last year with four goals? Mm. Last year. Ooh, goodness. Chocolate. Uh, let's, use, let's just use the options. All right. Was it Austin Matthews, Andre Palat, Mitch Marner? I don't think it was Matthews, was it? Andre Palat had a really good, really good series. Um, and they're, I feel like they're going to miss him this year. Uh,. Damn. I think I think it's a Maple Leaf. Let's go with Mitch Marner. Final answer. All right, let's go over these. Phil versus Marsh. Start with question number three. Tyler Pitlick has played for seven different NHL teams. Which team did he start his career with? Phil, you went with the Flyers. Marsh, you went with the Flyers. Correct answer is... The Edmonton Oilers. The Edmonton Oilers. Hmm. We have a 0 0 tie between Phil and Marsh. The Maple Leafs. <laughs> the Maple Leafs and Lightning are meeting in the playoffs for the second season in a row. Who was the leading sco- goal scorer in that series last season with four goals? Marsh, we just heard you. You said Mitch Marner. Phil, you went with Austin Matthews. Correct answer is. Austin Matthews. Austin Matthews. Phil did need the options for that one, though, so it is 1-0. That's all right. one nothing. Phil against Marsh. Let's go to the second question. Thomas Grice is the first German-born player to play for the Blues since who in the 2014-15 season? Phil, you went with uh, Ali? Oli Jokinen. Oli Jokinen. Marsh, you went with Marcel Gotch. Correct answer is... Gotcha. Marcel gotcha. Marcel gotcha. And Marsh didn't need the options on that. No, he did not. So Marsh has a 2-1 lead over Phil. Comes down to this. Who was the captain of the Dallas Stars when they last won the Stanley Cup in 1999? Phil, you went with Mike Madonna. Marsh, you went with Darren Hatcher. Marsh, you didn't use the options. Phil, you did. So if it's Mike Madonna... We have a 2-2 tie, and we go to the walk-off. If it's Darren Hatcher, well, Phil goes home crying. Tail between the legs. Tail between his legs. Correct answer is... Well, this guy was one of the toughest guys to play against ever. Darian Hatcher. Phil. You have chosen poorly. You lose. Not today. <laughs> Oh, I threw my pen on accident. Why'd you do that? It clipped the, the, it clipped the it mic. It hit me in the eye. Yeah, it did. Sorry. Good thing what you're wearing those glasses heck? today. Yeah. Yep, my bad. Uh, bigger ones. Phil, 4-1. I'm sorry. Marsh got you today. He came out of the gates hot. He, he started off, uh, I mean, he, he had a Brendan Donovan type start, and then he cursed himself. He <laughs> had the zeros there in, in question three and four. But nonetheless, 4-1 <laughs> win not. today. Sorry, man. Good job. Good job, Marsh. I appreciate it. All right, thanks, guys. Phil, we thanks, appreciate Phil. you. Care, try, try again, all right? All right, we'll do. Thanks. Okay, see ya. Boy, I feel bad for Phil. Phil said, 
And I've been trying for years to get into the gauntlet. We're like, all right, Phil, you got you got his whole yeah. game plan. Yeah. He's like, I'm gonna take on Marsh. Makes sense that I would be the one to ruin it. He's yeah. like, I'm ruining exactly. What else have I ruined? A lot. Donovan's hot streak. Yeah. Yeah. Anthony, I want to know something. Sure. Um, Marcel Gotch, mm-hmm. first uh or one of the German born players. Ole Jokinen. Ole Jokinen. Where was he from? Ole Jokinen was actually from Sweden. I don't think he You've was. got to be Jokinen me on that one. He's from Finland. Ah, okay. Ole Jokinen. Yeah, uh, was teammate of mine with New York Islanders. Jamie Rivers. Where was Magnus Payarvi from? Payarvi was from Russia. Yeah, no. Sweden. Sweden. Yeah. <laughs> Son of a... All Swedish, no finish. I feel yeah. like he did that on Except purpose. In the KHL, he's finishing all over the place there. <laughs> there you go. What? Yeah. By the way... Uh, I haven't looked at the text line, but the song was Brass Monkey. That funky Brass monkey. monkey. Yeah. Brass Monkey, Funky. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the NHL. Sang it. Uh, that would be the Beastie Boys. Yeah, well done. The Beastie Boys. Are we seeing a shift in the NHL? Yeah, several shifts. Next, I want to win Quick shifts. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Fastlane on 101 ESPN. Marshy's getting some crap in the tax line. <laughs> ah, he should, Anthony. It's terrible. He said Darren Hatcher instead of Darian. I didn't even hear that part. He could have just said Hatcher and be fine. Yeah, Come on. Fine. We knew what he meant. It's not like he had it wrong. No. You know? Phil said Medano. That's not even close to Hatcher. So <laughs> that's true. I mean, if we're gonna split hairs right. here, like if he'd have said Darren Hatcher and we didn't give it to him, that'd be that'd be you know that'd be, that'd be grounds for uh, a protest. Certainly, but uh, when he says Medano, or had he said Hull, who are neither one of them Mm-mm. last name Hatcher, right? Think that you know, come on. Well, I think even Phil would agree with that. Well said, Jamie. Well said. It's fast lane on one hundred and one ESPN. Are we seeing a shift in the NHL? So the Blues, Penguins, Capitals didn't make the playoffs this year. Three teams that have been a steady postseason con- uh, team, not just contender, but they've made the postseason for quite some time. Minus the Blues missing the playoffs in 2017-2018. Jamie, what all the th- what do these three teams have in common? And going back to the question that we had, are we seeing a shift in play style when it comes to the NHL? Where these two, t- where these three teams? maybe a little bit uh, hesitant or reticent to adjust? Yeah, I don't know necessarily. I think there's a shift going on in the NHL, but here's the weird part is there's like two different shifts going on in the NHL, and the Eastern Conference... Jamie, there's a lot of shifts. There's long shifts. Short shifts. Short shifts. Yeah, all that Every night there's shifts. Bad shifts, good shifts. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we're talking about teams shifting directions, and if we're doing that specifically, Anthony... The Eastern Conference has become much more of an oak tree, big defending defenseman conference, whereas the Western Conference has kind of turned into the freewheeling 
conference. And the Western Conference used to be a lot bigger and more physical, and the Eastern Conference was smaller and faster. And So the shift there is each conference has kind of changed their identity a little bit. And then a lot of teams or a number of teams that used to be big physical teams are now creating teams that are much faster and more skill-based. You can look right here in St. Louis. It didn't work out this year ultimately to make the playoffs, but the Blues were one of, if not the best team in the NHL, creating offense off the rush. Wouldn't have thought that a couple of years ago. There's no way you could have been that team. Well, now you are. So now it's now it's a matter of Army finding a way to continue to build that in the right direction and add the right pieces in place so that you're not just good off the rush, you're good all around and you're making the playoffs. I look at the Penguins. They had a good year. Not great, not good enough by the standards of making the playoffs. But, you know, they battled injuries, and look at their defense. Chris Letang, he had a stroke. (laughs) Like, poor guy, and he came back and played, and that's a team that's going to end up missing the playoffs probably by two points this year. So they're right there. I think Pittsburgh is closer than Washington, and, you know, you still have Crosby and Malkin, and you have some good pieces in Pittsburgh. I think Ron Hextall took a gamble on a couple of defensemen he'd like back, some of those decisions at this point. Uh, but he'll look to try and fix that in the offseason. Washington, for me, is more of a head-scratcher because they haven't really refilled the roster with young talent. It's Ovechkin, it's Backstrom, it's Wilson, it's, it's Kuznetsov. It's all the same guys they had when they won the Cup, which is fine if you keep re-energizing the group with youth. They haven't. So now what? Ted Leonsis is on record for saying... Alex Ovechkin will finish his career as a Washington Capitol. Do you think Ovi's going to be able to hit that 80 goals that he needs in the next couple of years if he's playing with a team that's in a rebuild? It'll be a lot tougher. Probably not, but at least he'd, he'd be a lot tougher. have his opportunities. Yeah, but I'm just saying, will he buy into that? If Ted Leonsis sits across the table from Alex Ovechkin and says, hey, by the way, Backstrom, Kuznetsov, um, Wilson, some of these other guys were, were headed in a different direction. And Ovi's going to be in for, hey, by the way, we're going to suck for a couple of years. You can head me in a different direction in the NHL then. Uh, right, maybe. Preferably St. Louis. Or maybe he just says, no, we're not. Oh, that'd be nice. Or the toasted ravs are incredible and they got a free zoo. Talk, Send me there. Talk about that one timer on the power play. Your, pro- your power play issues are solved pretty quickly with that guy. Yes, there. sir. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to happen. No. Nope. Plus, that's an awful lot of salary cap you'd have to take on. Yeah. Don't have room. But wishful thinking. It's always fun to wish for things, Anthony. Mm-hmm. So these two teams... As far as comparing them to the Blues, I think they're three different teams. I think the the Penguins are similar to the Blues in fact in the fact that they're kind of on the cusp, them more so than the Blues. But the Blues, at least what Doug Armstrong has been able to do here is restock the cupboard on the fly. It wasn't pretty this year. The whole it wasn't. I get it. But you've got Kapanen, you've got Verona, Sammy Blay that's playing well, you've got Tyler Tucker, you've got Jake Neighbors, you've got some draft pick. Like, but you also still have Braden Shen, Brandon Saad, Justin Falk. Like he's retooling on the fly here, which is what good teams do. Continuously restocking the cupboards with young, energetic players to complement their veteran guys or their the rest of their leadership group. Washington has done a, not a very good job at that either. They don't have the the whole, they had Jacob Verana, and they had to part ways with him for whatever reason. So I look at it as teams that are headed in different directions. I think Washington has the most work to do out of all these teams. I think Pittsburgh and St. Louis are very similar, but you know where will Pittsburgh go with some of their aging players? 
you know, Malkin and Crosby, they still had productive seasons, but are they still the guys you build around? I think Sidney Crosby is. I think you can continue to build around him uh, till he decides he wants to hang him up. But nonetheless, as far as the shifting of the way it's going, I think the shift ultimately is on the GMs right now, not the players. Yeah. The GM has to be able to pivot and shift and change and turn and do all these things on the fly. Doug Armstrong, so far, has been doing that. So compliments to Army. You may not like every move that he's made in the last couple of seasons or even every move he made this year, but this team is continuing to evolve while it's retooling. You look at the Pittsburgh Penguins, they haven't done anything. Ron Hextel made one move at the deadline, and he said, we're going to ride this team in the playoffs because this team is going to be really good in the playoffs. you got to get there first, Ron. And as far as Washington's concerned, they're hanging on with to all their older players mm-hmm. without restocking the cupboards properly. So I don't like the direction or the thought process of those two organizations in particular right now. I have way more confidence in what Army's doing here in St. Louis. That's Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stolzer. Don't forget Blues and Stars pregame starting at 6 o'clock tonight. Puck drops in Dallas around 7. And you can listen to all the coverage right here on the Blues Radio Network 101 ESPN. Odell Beckham Jr. today, they had a press conference for him in Baltimore, and he said there was no assurances from Lamar that he would re-sign with Baltimore or sign his his, uh, franchise tag. So why wind up there, and what does this mean for Lamar? We'll also tell you what the Ravens GM said about the situation next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. We cannot sit here and say Odell Beckham Jr.'s signing well above market at $15 million guaranteed compared to any other team uh, who is a good friend of Lamar Jackson and who spent Sunday night celebrating with Lamar after he agreed to this deal. Like There are questions about why Odell chose Baltimore and whether he's there to play with Lamar or whether he knows something more. So I'm interested to see how they navigate that. That was Jeff Darlington, NFL reporter who was on Fitz and Harry recently. And uh, Odell Beckham Jr., as you know, Jamie, he spoke to the media today. They held the the Ravens held the press conference. Odell Beckham said that he he was not reassured from Lamar uh, or assured from Lamar that Lamar was going to sign with the Ravens, whether that's a long term contract or or sign his his tender and you know go back to. Uh, Baltimore for at least one year. Now, Beckham did say, to me, I was just excited about the possibility of that, that being that Lamar Jackson will go back to Baltimore. My thoughts would be that he would be here. Ravens GM Eric DaCosta also said in that same press conference today that Lamar's in our plans. We're hopeful that we can still get a long-term deal. He's the right player for this team. Eric DaCosta, the GM, Jim Harbaugh, the head coach, have all John Harbaugh, excuse me, John Harbaugh, the head coach, have all said that Lamar's in their plans. They expect Lamar to be back. Take that with a grain of salt. Take that for what it's worth, because Lamar did say, he tweeted this out, that he requested a trade earlier in March from the Ravens. But it does seem like, at the at the least, Lamar Jackson is going to sign that non-exclusive franchise tender 
and be back with Baltimore for at least one year. You think he's going to sign that? I think he's going to sign. What that. is it? Forty million? Yeah. That's that's, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Is it guaranteed? Yes. Okay. I'm just wondering. It is. It's. Fully, I didn't know if it was fully, forty million salary and there's only fifty percent guaranteed. That's the trade-off. It's your sign. It's a franchise deal. You don't. No. No player wants to sign the franchise deal and only have for the franchise tender, and only have the one year, but that one year is guaranteed. And yeah. each time that that a team tags a player, and I think they can only do it th- up to three times. It goes up each year, each time. The incentive is either trade that player or get a deal done or let that player go into market. So there's advantages and disadvantages to both sides, yeah. the team and the player. Wow. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out either way because you know, Lamar, to our knowledge, certainly hasn't gotten the attention or the traction that he thought he would get by being able to talk to other teams. Mm-hmm. We don't know ultimately what's going on. Maybe there's a lot of stuff shaking out behind the scenes before the draft. Who knows? But I feel like that would be leaked at some point here. Lamar himself would want to get the word out there because he's probably feeling a little bit unloved here right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a risky run though, when you represent yourself and when you're in this situation. I, and I'd listen, don't minimize that. Some people may be tired of hearing of that. They may be tired of hearing this, this situation overall. But when it comes to the, the agent not having one, I do think that that plays into this big time. And I think it's it's something that teams, they don't want to deal with. The, the, I get it from Lamar's standpoint. It's like, hey, just sign the next biggest deal. Well, that the last deal was Deshaun Watson. That's that that's an aberration. This is why having a, an agent, a representant, a, a rep, you know, representation, excuse me, is going to be beneficial to Lamar. But I do think it's interesting what Jeff Darlington said about the money that Odell Beckham Jr. got. He's right. This was a deal that no nobody else was signing Odell to that money. If so, he may he might not be in Baltimore. He might be in a different place. He got big time money, and it was only one year. It's a one year deal. He I got mean, if big, he doesn't he have freaking Lamar money. there, though, like think of, let's think about this for there a second. There you go. You okay? just said it. Let's think about this. If Odell Beckham Jr., who um, is a cocky individual, which is fine, he's got some swagger to him. Great. He's got a Super Bowl championship ring now to go with all of that, and at one time was considered to be one of the best wide receivers in the National Football League. I don't see him in that category anymore. No. Um, Time will tell. But he's certainly not getting there with... Tyler Huntley. Tyler Huntley or quarterback X, Y, and Z, not named Lamar Jackson. He's not getting there. So, like, it's so puzzling to me that Odell Beckham Jr. would sign this contract, a one-year deal, albeit... With the Baltimore Ravens, yeah, he got more money or the biggest, best deal. And there are other deals that had to have been close, where he was going to an organization with a guaranteed number one starting quarterback. Heck, the Jets were supposed to have a visit with him. I don't know if that ever happened. And you know that Aaron Rodgers is ending up there. Ultimately, that's going to happen at some point. If I'm OBJ, I'm going, yeah, I can handle that. Aaron Rodgers passing me the football? Yeah. Okay, instead yeah. of Tyler Huntley. Like, think about that. Mm-hmm. There's something isn't adding up. Here. Well, to your point, and I think the one that Jeff Darlington in that clip was trying to make is that it's likely that Lamar goes back to Baltimore. Again, it doesn't mean it he's going to sign a, con- a big-time contract because if he does that, that one-year deal, too, that would match up with the same deal that Odell got. Now, Lamar probably doesn't want to risk it from an injury standpoint, but okay, 
go out there, do it again, stay healthy this time. You're going to make a bunch of guaranteed money as soon as soon as you sign that deal. He Lamar could sign sign the tag. He he's that's he's locked in at that price yeah. for next year. He gets hurt in week one. He still it's, it's guaranteed money. Yeah. So Lamar could say, "All right, I'll I'll do this again next year." Because Lamar is pretty young still for a starting quarterback. I think he's only 25. He entered the That's league. Incredible. Yeah, he entered the league as uh, he's 26. Excuse me, he just turned 26 in, on January 7th. He's only 26. Yeah. So he could hit the market again at 27. Think of the deals that guys have gotten 32, 33 years old. Russell Wilson just just had that that big contract extension a year ago with Denver after he got there. He's 34. Now, granted, he has got, he's got a Super Bowl, but again, 34 yeah. compared to what 20, Lamar is at 26. 26. So maybe that winds up being the, plan for the, the play for Lamar, Jamie. I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. It is an interesting one for sure. The Air Cover Service tax line is 314-399-9646. If you have a question for us, send it there. we got our Sports 6 back next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. I have a question. It's time for the Fast Lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Answer the question. Answer the question. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer me! The Sports Six Pack is refreshed by Schlafly Beer, the original St. Louis craft brewery. It's Fastlane on 101 ESPN with Jamie Rivers. I'm Anthony Stoltz. Here's Andrew March with your questions for the Sports Six Pack. Question number one. Uh, Jamie, what? question from myself. There's a, a rumor going around that the Stanley Cup might be at the Centene Community Ice Center. Can you confirm or deny? Well, Andrew, it will be. What? <laughs> yes, this uh, Friday and Saturday from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., the Stanley Cup will be visiting the Centene Community Ice Center, and that's part of the USA Hockey Disabled Hockey Festival that is going on throughout this weekend. So uh, if you missed the Stanley Cup way back when of getting a picture with it or getting to see it in person, now's the time. Or if you'd like to see it again, head over to the Centene Community Ice Center. I know the Blues uh, have a ton of material on their Facebook page, their Twitter page, all their socials carrying it. You can click on that and find out all the details, I'm sure, as to how to sign up, uh, when you show up, pictures, all that kind of stuff. But it's exciting. Fans, uh, especially Blues fans here locally, get another chance to see the Cup. And maybe some of the younger kids who, you know, were too young to know what was really going on in 2019, and now they would like to see the Stanley Cup. It's a great opportunity to do that at the same time. Uh, you get to see the great practice facility over there that the Blues work at every day, as well as taking some of the USA uh, Disabled Hockey Festival. This is where Anthony jumps in and says, well, this will be the only time to see it this year because the Blues aren't in the playoffs. And we go, whoa, Anthony! I would never say anything. Why like do you that. hate the Blues? Marci- the Sharks aren't in the playoffs. Mar- Marci, I don't even know why you go down that road. Yeah, My that's... friend Anthony would not do that. Thanks, Anthony Jamie. and I were part of the 2019 Cup run together. Yeah, we were. Yeah. Where were you then, hey, Andrew? Yeah. Yeah. Where, where was I? Then? Yeah. You weren't around here. Oh, I know where not you're around spout, here. Spouting that mouth of yours off. Seriously. Oh. Jamie, I'm sorry that sometimes we got to deal with them. I just don't know why he has to attack people when he's just upset. Marshy's a big Blues fan, and I know he's upset they're not in the playoffs, but he doesn't have to attack you or I, oh, yeah. or the Blues for that matter. Marsh, if something's going on in your life, just talk to us. You don't have to. Who hurt you, Andrew? You don't have to do that with the 
with your poop mouth. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're funny. Question number two. Speaking of the Blues, from the 314, although last night's Blues game was disappointing, this is where Anthony jumps in and says, It was! Hmm. I'm kidding. I saw some, yeah. <laughs> I saw some players really playing spirited hockey, especially Yakub Verana. Any other players catch your eye for their play? Yeah, look, a number of guys played hard last night. Uh, Yuma Ging was his first NHL game ever. I thought him along with Nathan Walker, Torpchenko, those guys were were playing hard. Uh, I thought the Braden Shen, Jake Neighbors, Jacob Verona line, I thought they played very well. I thought Kapanen had himself a pretty good game as well. So, look, it's not fun to lose hockey games or to watch your team lose. But there are some bright spots within this Blues club that you should be excited about. I think that the guys that are under contract coming back next year, that's an exciting group. Are they Stanley Cup contenders? Probably not right now as it sits. But Doug Armstrong is making all the right moves, at least trying to make all the right moves to speed up that process so that we don't have to wait for the Cup to visit Ascentine Community Ice Center anymore to get a look at it. Maybe you get a little sip of champagne of that bad boy here in the next five years. Now we're talking. Bam. It would be nice. Yeah, it would. It's so cold and so good out of the cup. It's so nice. What's Question it? number three. Cup. Ah. Lars Nukbar. I was confused. Uh, is beginning an injury rehab assignment tonight with AA Springfield. Uh, we get a text from the 314. I'm sorry, from the 636. How bad do you think Newt Bar is going to blank up double-A pitching? I say he's going to smash. I hope so. Yeah. I mean, I, I you know, I also think he's going to smash. He's a very popular player. Um, now, that being said, the uh, Cardinals sending him down for a rehab assignment at double-A ball. Anthony, I don't know how it is in baseball, but in, in hockey, sometimes when you g- get – to playing against lesser players, sometimes it actually screws up your timing and your thought process. And I don't know that to be true with with double A or triple A, A ball, high A, low A, Arizona Fall League, all these different options. Um, but it's not always a given that somebody like Lars or anybody goes down and has just amazing success. Yeah, and I, I wonder too if it is really about the success or is it it's just about making sure that you're healthy i think that's the bigger one yeah Yeah, it's not necessary to your point jamie about like the timing and finding your timing i don't know if it's about that as much as i i feel good because he's he's got the thumb injury so is he able to is you know is 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 he able to grip his grip the bat fine is he having any issues there yeah, because he is he is going to have to. How is go, that going to affect grinding. his grinding of the pepper? Well, with the bad thumb, I think he needs to hit a Which double. Which thumb is it? I think he dove into his right. I think it's his right hand. Yeah, but does he That'd do right over hand. left or left over that would right? That be his bottom hand. Because if it's his bottom hand, there's way more stress on the thumb when it's you're doing left. that grind. It's his left. It's his left hand. Left thumb contusion. So it's his top hand. Well, we think it is. If it's a top, it's fine because, you know, you get the yeah. top of the grinder. You just let that thumb ride around up top. No right. big deal. The bottom thumb gets all the stress yeah. as you're doing that grinding. When he's grinding. Now, yeah. the, since he's left-handed, 
the bat is also he's got that's that that's like his power. He's got the knob that up by the mm-hmm. is you're grinding the pepper. You know the, the big pepper shakers have that the top of it. What do you what yeah, would you call so, that? Well, I was talking about the, the bottom of the bat, which oh, also be the I knob. I we're still talking about the pepper grinder. Well, both. That you're, you're Kisner brought to the dugout. You're concerned about both, Jamie. Okay. This guy's got to grind all over this field when he gets back. Yeah. Anyways, as long as he's healthy, I think that's the main thing. I don't I don't think it matters if he goes for, you know, five for ten or whatever. And it's a bunch of ding-dong Johnsons. Just come back up healthy and start grinding again. What if he went 0 for 4? Would that concern you? Nope. Nope. That's it. It works both ways, Marsh. You're not you're not concerned about it. Really? Because there's one player that went 0 for 4 in uh in the minors. Is that Paulie D? Maybe. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I'm just checking. just leave they just leave them down there. I'm just checking. Just leave them down there until they have to bring them up. Right. Last year. Let's not worry about it. <laughs> Question number four. Not trying to be a jerk, Jamie. I'm just stating. I'm just stating facts. I'm just being real. I'm right, just Anthony? being real for everybody. This <laughs> <laughs> last year. From the three one four. Will you guys make it make sense? When the Cards need a position player, they go out and get them in free agency. But when they need a starting pitcher, they are blind to it. And I'm not just talking about this year. Well, they got you, Steven Matz. Anthony, will you make it make sense? <laughs> they don't They don't want to spend on top-end pitching. They really have never spent on top-end pitching. They're more willing to spend on top-end position talent, whether they acquire it in a trade or they, they sign somebody, because I don't think they're as, worried, they're as concerned about the injuries. I think they get cons- very concerned with the injuries and handing a starting pitcher $40-plus million, which is the going right now for aces. I think it's all about the money compared to the risk when it comes to signing a starter. You also have to keep in mind, and Jamie and I continue to sit, talk about this because ah. it's, it's reality. You also have to keep in mind that when a guy's a free agent, he he might not be interested in signing in Bite San Bite your Lewis. damn tongue, Anthony. I'm just saying. What the hell's wrong with you? Who doesn't want to be a freaking Cardinal? Let me answer the first question first, and I'll get to the second one. A lot and some. Do you think it's because people like us keep the players accountable? Like Jamie called out Tommy Edmond. He ends up hitting a home hey, it's run. It's a tough market to play in, Marsh. You yeah. know, it's a tough market to I mean, play just in. Just ask Jeff Albert. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's tough. Everybody yeah. ran his ass right out of town, didn't we? If it's too tough here, go to New York. Did he, did he actually have <laughs> social media? <laughs> If what? I if I am a player, if I am a player, a coach, a GM, what I would not have any social media at all, whatsoever. But Anthony, there's a lot of information that's provided from the league. So if you follow all the right entities, like teams and stuff, you can see like quickly who. Yeah, like, that's fine. how some of the trends are headed. Right. I just I, wouldn't slap my name on there, you know. Well, I wouldn't do that. That's for sure. Uh-uh, I would blue be check mark. I'd be like uh Joe one, two, three, four, five, six. <laughs> that's gotta be a bot. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Uh-huh. Don't worry about me. Nope. Question number five. <laughs> <laughs> what would your burner account name be? Joe uh, Joe Namath. <laughs> Let's go Reggie Dunlop. <laughs> Reggie Dunlop. <laughs> you wanna be like Sugar Bear McGee? <laughs> 
What was the name that we Sugar kept throwing Smacks. out there? Sugar Smacks. Ah, the name you're thinking of is Racer school, Thompson. Eraser, yeah, Eraser Thompson. <laughs> yeah, schoolboy. Schoolboy. Something. Row. Schoolboy Row. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that's, that's an actual name. From 1910. Uh, all right, question five. From the 618, do you guys think the Blues win a cup prior to 2019 if they held on to Ben Bishop? All those unbelievable years in Tampa prior to Vasilevsky. Imagine those with that 2016 team. Yeah, you know what? We need somebody like Chris Kerber here right now because Kerbs loves to track trades and see like what player became what player in return. Mm-hmm. Like Jordan Bennington was part of some trade that happened way before, and you're like, oh, that was an irrelevant trade. No, it wasn't because now it turned into Bennington. He's really good at that. He I'm is. not very good at that. Uh, Jeremy Rutherford's also good at that stuff, but Kerbs is excellent at doing that homework of finding out what draft pick or what player became what because of what trade. So to your question, I who knows, right? Like, what did the Ben Bishop trade ultimately become for the Blues? If they don't trade Ben Bishop, do they have the pieces necessary then to get to the 2019 Cup? Right. I will say this. Ben Bishop was one hell of a goaltender. And I would have taken him in a heartbeat here to play for the Blues long term. It didn't last long enough, in my opinion, for Ben Bishop here in St. Louis. But uh, either way, interesting question. Question number six. This one's for Jamie from the 636. Jamie, who do you have winning the NBA title? Oh, this one's easy. Uh, It's a competitive field this year. And I think that, uh, you know, the play-in tournament is going to dictate quite a few things. Ordinarily... When you look at the play-in, Anthony, you uh-huh. don't think, well, one of those teams could do anything. A couple of those teams got hot near the end of the season, and injuries were a part of a lot of what was going on, too. Yeah. So you just never know when one of these teams just sneaks in and comes in and just dominates your face. Yeah, but who who do you like to win it all, though, Jamie? I think that was the question. Probably yeah. the Lakers. No, I actually like the Celtics. I actually like the Celtics. The old Beantowners, huh? That's uh, a hell of a team over there, and Jason Tatum. Uh, St. Louis boy, so why not go with that? I like that. Yeah. I like that. And everybody here in St. Louis loves all the New England teams, so why not? (laughs) (laughs) Well said, Jamie. Well said. All right, that'll do it for our Sports Six back here in the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN with Jamie Rivers and Andrew Marsh and Anthony Stoltz. Appreciate everybody uh, chiming in. Did you just punch your mic? No, I looked back. I thought it was Mike Ryder. It's Grant Francis. I was like, what the hell happened to Ryder? What did you do? What did Grant? you do to Mike Ryder? Don't forget, we get the biggest question of the day coming up. Oh, yeah, so make sure you send in a mic drop. Maybe you'll have yours played right here on 101 ESPN. Mic drop for the biggest question of the day. Still need one. How concerned are we about this defense for the Cardinals? We'll get into that D next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
1003, your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Jamie Rivers and Andrew Marsham, Anthony Stalter. It's the fast lane on 101 ESPN. How concerned are you about the defense thus far for the Cardinals? Last last Why night, Jamie. Why are you Jamie, always focused on the D? I think it's an important aspect of the game. Yeah, but, you know, the offense is clicking right now. The bats are rolling, and you're focused on the D. I haven't, I haven't really seen one good situation that doesn't uh, include a strong D. You know? You know what, Anthony? Uh, you're not right very often, but mm-hmm. you're 100% right about that. Thanks, as you yeah. were. So how concerned are you about mm-hmm. it? The D, of course. I'm not very concerned. I think the Cardinals overall, defensively, Anthony, are uh, a really good team. I think that uh, right now they're forced into a couple of situations to where you have players in certain positions – Mm-hmm. that uh, you wouldn't have him there if everybody was healthy. If Lars Newbar is healthy and Dylan Carlson are healthy, I don't know how much you see Alec Burleson in left field. Fact. If everybody else is healthy, I don't know how much you see Nolan Gorman at second base. I think that the odd days off that guys get, whether it's Arenado, Edmund, Donovan will eventually get a day off to where you have to put somebody in there, and I think Gorman's adequate as far as that's concerned. But the health right now is what's kind of creating a hodgepodge of defensive alignment out there. Jordan yeah. Walker's a young kid, too. He's making he's made, what, two or three mistakes already in this early season. Mm-hmm. But it's not because he's not able. He just hasn't played in the majors before. Let's give the guy a little bit of a, uh, a break here. So I'm not concerned about the defense overall. you got a number of gold glovers still on your roster, and I think that will take care of itself. I am a little concerned. Oh, Anthony. Always. I'm a little concerned. What the hell's wrong with you? Alec Burleson is going to continue to play because his bat is, is hot right now. So sure is. I don't think that you're going to get you're going to get a situation where Lars Newport just comes right up and then, you know, Alec Burleson's going to be banished to the bench. I think he's I think his his offense is going to keep him in the lineup. So if he stays out in one of the corner outfield spots like left field, He's not a good defender. It's not a situation. I agree with Jordan Walker. Jordan Walker has not looked comfortable right now in right field, but he is young and he is going to develop. I think that aspect of his game, it might not develop by May. It might not develop by the end of the year. But I think that eventually Jordan Walker is going to be fine defensively, depending, you know, regardless of where he plays. But when it comes to Alec Burleson, I just don't think he's going to be a strong defender. So if Ollie's going to keep his, his bat in the lineup, when Lars comes back, you do get one pure excellent defender back in this lineup but i think that alec burleson's gonna stick and if he does he can't play in your spot. outfield Andy. you can't win a well, championship with him in the outfield you're gonna take his bat out of the lineup jamie you're well, not if lars's look bat, me in the face and say you're gonna take his line his bat out of the lineup why would you take just put him at dh spot what are you gonna do with gorman put him in second base what are you gonna do with donovan put him in left field where he was great that one night well what are you gonna we're gonna do with uh newt or well, tyler o'neill well that you hit your play Jamie. I run my team very You hit strict. your plate. So Burleson. <laughs> you made my point. It took you 30 seconds, but you made my point. Anthony, no disrespect to Alec Burleson. At all. At all, for that matter. He doesn't exactly have the body type of someone to cover a lot of area in the outfield. You body shaming something. Oh, I'm not. What the hell? Uh, trust next, me. Next you're going to say t- Taylor Motter shouldn't be playing every day because of his body. No, it has nothing to do with his body. He shouldn't shouldn't be playing every day. Fair. It's I, fine. Yeah. I agree. Probably played a little too much already. But you know what? Either way, congratulations to him. He's in the majors, and we're happy for him. Um, but Alec Burleson can't be 
Did yeah. you do hold on? Did you do that because of the texter yesterday? <laughs> It took me a second. She said, "Congratulations, yes. we're happy for him for playing." Because the texter yesterday yes. said, "You know, I'm Jamie, sure the texter's happy." You know, Jamie, wouldn't you be happy if you were thirty and you're able to play in the NHL and stop playing in Russia? Well, no spit. Of course, I would. You covered a lot of ground there in, Jesus. in, a, in one sentence. I think I want to go back and live in the bottom of an arena with the water heater. Give me a break. Congratulations to Taylor Motter, and he's got a beautiful head of hair. I'm also jealous of that, too. You want to bring that up, text line? Go ahead. Fine. <laughs> Either way, I'll stand by the fact that you can't win a championship with Alec Burleson patrolling left field. That's one of the most active spots in the diamond, Anthony. I still don't understand how you put your weakest player in left field when everybody bats right-handed. But you know what? Maybe we do it different in Canada. Yeah, I, I, no, I'm with you. I, I would have had Jordan Walker and playing in left. I think right field's a tough spot for a young guy. Well, apparently. Uh, you, no, you're right. Yes, He's got an absolute missile launcher, though, for an arm. You don't know where it's going half the time. Uh, you know what, Anthony? That's something you can work with. <laughs> Get Stubby Clap to work with him. I think uh, Stubby Clap, really? <laughs> you just, whatever whatever assistant coach came to your head, you just yes. threw it out there? Yeah, but then Pop Warner, my brain quickly <laughs> had to come to a decision. That's eh, fine. I think that was a tough play in left or in right yesterday. It's a play. It's a play that that right fielders will have if you're yesterday, accustomed to it. Yeah, that was a young kid again in a ballpark he's not used to. He had a mistake in Milwaukee too, where they've got that cut out there, that little right. notch in the outfield where he kind of got apprehensive, didn't know the ballpark. Well, opening it, day too. I mean, he had, he had one in right where it skipped off the wall and it got underneath him. But every day is something brand new for Jordan Walker. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm giving him a little bit of a pass is because playing in Colorado, the ball flies. And he probably thought, oh, boy, here it comes. And to me, it looked like he was panicking towards the warning track, and then he was a little worried about the wall, and then he realized quickly, oh, boy, it's not as it's not going as far as I thought. And he tried to readjust, and it just, you know, he hit it with the bottom of his glove. It wasn't pretty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, But he's got 12-game hitting streak going. I think I'm going to overlook it. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Everything's fine here. Uh, the Cardinals take on the Pittsburgh Pirates tonight. Jordan Montgomery versus Vincent Velasquez. By the way, Vincent Velasquez, 9, 9.82 ERA. So if you're disappointed hmm. in some of the Cardinals starters, well, you're good one. You're good starters on the on the hill tonight in Montgomery. And then you got Vincent Velasquez, who's almost got a 10 ERA. He's 0-2. So I expect this offense to stay hot tonight. Uh, if, you, if you missed the lineup game, Jamie and I were perfect earlier. That's right. Perfect lineup it's a sign, game. Anthony. Brendan Donovan, Alec Burleson, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, Wilson Contreras, Nolan Gorman's your DH, Tyler O'Neill's back in center, Jordan Walker in right, Tommy Edmond at short. You had mentioned this to not only BT earlier, but me in the office. I mean, when this lineup is right, this is this this lineup has tons of length. And if you're a starting pitcher, not not everybody's going to be hitting every single night, but you start off with Donovan, and you've got that ultimate gnat up there that's willing to take pitches and foul them off. But he's also got to do a better job of that. His some of his at bats, <laughs> some of his at bats recently, have not been as competitive as they as they need to be. Yeah, yeah because I'm, of Marsh. Well, it's all Marshy's fault. Take ownership. How do you even sleep at night right now? Take accountability and take I don't. ownership. I haven't gotten sleep in and who's, days. And who's your guy tonight? Who'd you pick in the home run derby? Brendan Donovan. Why do you Sick. do that to him? Well, you, you just doubled you, down on it. You just called him out, so I'm feeling pretty. Pretty yeah, excited now that I he actually might hit a home respond. run. It's true. <laughs> it's true. 
Who'd you call out the other Tony day? Tony Edmond. He hit a home run. That's right. Actually, you called out Tyler O'Neill. I spent an hour on him last I year, did. last yeah. week. I was upset with him. He hit a home run yesterday. He did. See? I'm feeling real good right now. Tyler O'Neill scolded that ball, too, to center. He absolutely pulverized that I thing. would love to see Tyler O'Neill get absolutely irate and just go on a, a just a hit spree. Like baseball? Yeah. What are you talking about? Of course baseball. Well, you said irate. You didn't really specify on the diamond you just like grab a bat and just start hitting. Well, people. I don't mean get irate and go to the gym and you know. I think put he does a personal that. best. I think he does do that. It's fine. That's great. I mean, he's no Pete Alonso, but no, of course not. Nobody is. No, it's a mm-hmm. big, strong guy. Mm-hmm. Well, both are. But mm-hmm. I wonder if working out in your cleats is an advantage. I don't know. I never got that. I think uh, Pete Alonso, no matter where so. he's at, he's just going to do uh, hmm. cleans. Zidane Ochara did squats in his hockey skates. Well, Which was interesting. What does he play in, Jamie? I play exactly. This is why you go back to the Pete Alonso thing. I'm like, man, is he crazy or is he, you know, cutting edge? Mm-hmm. Big Z would get in there at the weight room after a game, and he'd take off the top part of his gear, leave his hockey pants on, and everything, go do squats. I'd sit and watch him while drinking Bud Light. Darn right, you yeah. Did. I'd Look be like, uh, go ahead, looking dude. good, kid. A little deeper there, mm-hmm. Z. How bad do you want it? That's right, kid. Was, to fetch old Jamie another beer while you're at it. Was this in the minors or is this? No, it's the Islanders. Oh, that's right. He played with yeah. the Islanders. He's just a young buck back then. How many teams has he played for total? Oh, he's a suitcase, that guy. <laughs> I Can't read. stick on one team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that guy. Nobody wants him. Yeah, he was with the Islanders. Just sh- then he was with the Senators. <laughs> then he was at the Bruins, the Capitals. Like, this guy can't find a home anywhere. You know who didn't want him, though? The Red Wings. That team didn't no, want him. They didn't need him. Nah. You didn't play in Croatia either. No, not yet. For the Croatian Croatias. I don't. That team's gone now, Anthony. Are they? Yeah. The Croatias are gone. They're gone. That's it. Did you ruin them like <laughs> the Phoenix Coyotes? <laughs> I've been ending franchises my entire career and so. coaching careers. I guess so, man. <laughs> How concerned are we about Wilson Contreras? It's next. I want to win ESPN. Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Jamie's heading down to the Cardinals game tonight, so he, uh, he left us a little bit early with Andrew Marsh and Anthony Stoltz. We'll get you covered until 6 o'clock, and that leads into the Blues and Stars pregame show, followed by the game right here on the Blues Radio Network, 101 ESPN. So Blues, Stars, again, last game for the Blues tonight as they, uh, they're in Dallas. It's a home-and-home. Home. Lost last night to Dallas, but maybe they can cap off this season with a win. Unfortunately, no playoffs for the Blues, but... Maybe get a little momentum heading into the offseason. That was really nice of BT to give Jamie those green seats. That was, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, he doesn't give those out too, too often either. It was no, really nice of him. Jamie's been threatening him, so makes a lot of sense that yeah. uh, BT finally came through. Mm-hmm. Speaking of BT, BT joined us earlier, and we were talking about Miles Michaelis and some of the struggles that Miles Michaelis has said. Not some. I mean, he has struggled, period in the first three starts of the season. And when it comes to Michaelis or Steven Matz or the other starters in this rotation for the Cardinals, one of the questions that has come up, whether it's on our text line, on Twitter, 
in social and uh, our mic drops has been about Wilson Contreras. How much are they missing Yachty? And I've answered this consistently. Of course they miss Yachty. Of course they miss his presence. Of course they miss the way that Yachty sees the game. There are few like Yachty to have ever played the game of baseball, to ever see it that way. And when it comes to baseball or soccer or football or basketball or hockey, certain players just see the game differently. Jamie has brought this up with the great one, Wayne Gretzky, and joking about that when he was in, Jamie was in Phoenix at the time and and playing uh, for Wayne Gretzky was coaching, you know, Gretzky would remark to Jamie, you know, why, why can't, why can't this player see that or see what I'm talking about? And Jamie remarked to Wayne Gretzky one time, because they're not you. They see the game differently. So Yadier Molina saw the game from a different scope. And Wils Contreras is not Yadi, obviously. So yes, of course they're missing Yadi. But I've mentioned this before. Yadi was not around a lot last year. Now, there were stretches in which he played a fair amount, but whether it was the injury or him, you know, taking off a little bit of time to go to Puerto Rico for his bas- his basketball team. It's not as if Yadier Molina played his normal games last year. And furthermore, it's not as if the pitching staff struggled as much last year as they are now. And don't forget, Andrew Kisner caught a lot of games last year. I don't think the pitching staff has completely fallen off because Willis Contreras is behind the plate. And I'm not, I'm not just going to throw out what happened in spring training from Contreras skipping the WBC so that he could be in Jupiter and catch guys and get familiar with his guys, not just the starters but the relievers, bring, you know, making that connection with them, learning about what, how they like a game called, telling them, teaching them how he likes to call a game. I'm not going to throw that out the window because of 12 games. It has, however, been a tough 12 games for Wilson Contreras, especially offensively. But we were talking about BT when he was on with us earlier today, and you can listen to the podcast after the show if you missed that 45 minutes of baseball talk that we had with Brad Thompson earlier today. BT always fantastic. But BT was talking about it. And Marsh, is this the clip when he was talking about Wilson Contreras' glove? So I do, want, I do want to play that at some point. But I don't. I also want to set up this audio clip properly. Let's let's play this. I think this. I think I think he was just talking about Contreras's play overall. So I, this is Brad Thompson talking about whether or not Contreras can be can be better. Contreras can be a hell of a lot better. He he had a bad series offensively and defensively. Actually, he had a bad road trip on both sides. Dude, his swing right now, I really feel like he's like pressing and trying to make something happen every time he's up there. And when he does that, he's just coming across the zone and rolling right over. Like if I'm a shortstop, I'm pretty ready when Contreras is up right now. Like I I think that that will wear off at some point. I'm not worried about him offensively. I believe it's going to be there. And I also think it's nice right now to not have to worry about it when you think that you have a deep enough lineup where other guys can end up getting it done. But I do want to see him continue to take strides. Again, I'm not blaming Contreras at all for what's going on, but he could be helping a little bit more, right? Pitchers need to make better pitches. So the other thing that Brad talked about there, and he he, he didn't mince words. He said, yeah, Wilson Contreras needs to be better. And when you look at when you when you look at the numbers, the numbers bear that out too. There's no hiding from it. This season with the Cardinals, 
in 11 games. He's Willis Contreras has played 11 games. He missed the one game because of the injury. 42 plate appearances. He has seven hits, one extra base hit. He has driven in two. He has walked three times, and he has struck out eight times for a 179 average, a 238 on base, and a 205 slug. It hasn't been good. But when it comes to the pitching staff in Wilson Contreras, Brad was talking about if you watch, if you go back and watch Miles Michaelis' starts over the last, you know, his, his three starts, he's talking about how Wilson Contreras might set up out, you know, outside and have have to move the glove inside on the pitch or setting up inside and then the ball leaks over the plate. He's spotting, he 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 is putting his glove down, and Miles Michaelis is missing his spots. Brad didn't mention Steve uh, Stephen Matz specifically in this case, but I would imagine if you go back and watch Matz, he too is missing location. So it's about stuff and location. Is the stuff off? Is the stuff flat? Velocity wise, is is the is the, is the velocity down? And it's not just on your fastball, but every pitch. Where's where's the velocity? Where's the spin rate? All the stuff that I think fans grow tired of. They don't want to hear. They don't want to hear about this, that, and the other thing. They just want to, you know, just just show me, just show me the baby. Don't talk to me about the labor, right? But that that matters. It can indicate. It be an in, it, it can be an indication of whether or not a pitcher is struggling. In Matt in in Matt's case, in Miles Michaelis's case, I haven't seen any velocity depth. So I think the stuff is there. They're missing location. They're not executing. That's not on Wilson Contreras. What is on Wilson Contreras is the numbers that I read off before. I mean, a 205 slug for Wilson Contreras. It's, this is somebody that slugs normally 456. Eight years in the league, he slugs 456. Now he's not. He's never going to be a 300 hitter, but he average 255 over his eight seasons. He's not going to hit below the Mendoza line. I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. But we can call it out. That he's not he's not performing well. And I do wonder, Marsh, if Wilson Contreras, just like BT was talking about earlier in our show today, if he's trying to I love the way BT phrased this. He's trying to, in every at bat, show that he was worth the contract. He's trying to earn his contract in every A B, which is somewhat endearing. I appreciate that. Because he cares. You know, there is and I won't I won't I won't say names. But there have been guys, there have been players in this city that have signed free agent deals and not really care. And I'm talking big free agent deals, or at least you know significant for the market and their position and all that. They've signed big free agent deals and not truly have cared whether or not they're in the lineup because, quote, they've, they've already got their money. That's not Wilson Contreras. So it is endearing to some degree that Contreras looks to be pressing. But he is pressing, and he's hitting fifth consistently in the order. So while well, well, he's off to a slow start, he does have to turn it around at some point. Yeah, and, and I don't think it helps that some of the opportunities that he's had have come up in big spots, too. No, you're right. And it's, I think he just needs to go back to the basics of getting back to just having a basic approach when you're up there. Like He's just swinging at pitches that, that aren't in the strike zone, you know, swinging at ball four, I feel like he, like, like BT said, he is doing too much almost. He's trying to get that big hit rather than just letting it happen, just sticking with your approach. You look at Nolan Gorman. Nolan Gorman had a has had 
a really good start to the year, but there was a stretch where he wasn't finding he wasn't finding grass, you know, he wasn't getting base hits, right. wasn't touching seats, but he was hitting the ball hard. He was having good at bats. He just wasn't producing, you know, on the on the stats sheet, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like Wilson Contreras needs to have those approaches when he goes up to the plate. Okay, maybe he doesn't move a runner over, doesn't end up, you know, getting a few RBIs. Like, but he has a, a hard hit ball. You just get back to the basics, and I think he'll be fine. It is early in the year. I know we like to goof around and say, "Oh, this guy, he, yeah. he can't hit anything right. and whatnot," which is really fun. I like doing it. <laughs> uh, he'll he'll be fine. You know, I didn't curse him, so I feel good about him. Um, yeah, I I don't know. You know my uh, my my late great friend Chris Duncan and I always I, I out of and Dunk said so much about baseball that I've applied to many shows. This is the one that has always stuck with me because I just think it's a tremendous line. He always used to say, "You can't put a good swing on a bad pitch," mm-hmm. and he's right. You can't. Yeah. No matter no ma- if the if it's a bad pitch, it's out of the strike zone, and you swing. It doesn't matter how pretty your swing is. You cannot put a good swing on a bad pitch. You're I mean, either going to miss it, or you're going to roll over on it, or you're going to foul it off and do zero damage to it. You can't put a good you can't put a good swing on a bad pitch. And I think Contreras is doing the opposite. If I remember this correctly, I believe in the Brewers series he had a three zero count, and swung at ball four like you're trying to do too much and I wonder if the whole Yadier Molina thing he's been playing it up too he says you know he loves Yadi. he you know Yadi's one of his you know his idols growing up I wonder at what point does that sort of go away and he can just go out there and and be Wilson Contreras be the dude that the the Cardinals signed you know what I'm saying so and maybe he is maybe I know Cubs fans weren't you know, all that in love with how he handled things behind the plate and, you know, his hitting, you know, consistent-wise and mm-hmm. whatnot. But my goodness, I mean, this guy can hit the ball, and I think we will start to see that here in the next few weeks. I think Cubs fans, certainly toward the end, they, they loved him. They didn't want to see him go. But right. to, to your point, there was there was a lot made about the way that – and David Ross, his former manager, obviously was a, was a catcher himself. So I think there was a lot made about the way that he – called games the way he prepared for games not from the standpoint of he was ill prepared but from the standpoint of different philosophies and things like that which is fine you're going to get that but I'll, I'll leave it with this I thought this was kind of a great anecdote and I think it it fits perfectly Marsh for what, what we're talking about with Wilson Contreras this was from Nick Grokey of the Athletic he was writing about the Cardinals uh, and Jordan Walker he's specifically about Jordan Walker and how Jordan Walker start, started his career with a 10-game hit, hit streak that is now up to 12. Hopefully it's 13 by the end of the night. But Nick Roki had this, this anecdote at the start of the, uh, his article, and I'll read it. He said, late in March, when baseball's new season started peaking over on the horizon, Jordan Walker found himself in the, in the kind of prolonged skid that can rattle even shatterproof veterans. The young Cardinals prospect trotted through spring for one more than for, for more than three weeks with just enough hits to fill a thimble before Wilson Contreras found him one day in the Florida shade. The veteran catcher, born in a previous century with seven long seasons of big league experience to Walker's none, handed down the wisdom that every player gleans sooner or later. You cannot beat the game. 
it's just baseball, Contreras told him. This is going to happen no matter how good you are. Just go with it. There you go. Well, Willis Contreras can use that same advice for himself. Realize he can't beat the game. He's got to go with this. He's got to get himself back on track. And this is a good damn player. And the Cardinals, I don't think this is going to be a bust signing when it's all said and done. But he's got to get going, and maybe it's tonight. It's the Fastlane on 101 ESPN. Biggest question of the day next. We're right back to the Fastlane podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Fastlane's biggest question of the day. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. It's time for the biggest question of the day. What do we got, Marsh? Yeah, from the 314. I do not leave mic drops, not a radio voice, but I have to ask, when do you guys know to let an interview go longer than that time slot allows? Bill Walton was just amazing to listen to yesterday. So glad you guys let him ramble a bit. Awesome radio. Listen again today to his interview. And of course... This listener listened uh, back in the podcast, which you can find at 101ESPN.com or the 101 mobile app. It's all brought to you by what, Anthony? Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Nice job there, Marsh. You set that up perfectly. Yeah. That's a great question, and that's that's certainly one that, you know, when we think about the biggest question of the day, it doesn't have to be sports-related. We certainly take more sports-related questions than not, but some of the fun you know, questions that we get are actually about the job. You, you know, I, I'll give you, I'll try to be as direct as possible here, but I think the, the key to interviewing, and I by far am no expert. I mean, we we do fewer guests than any any other show, and it's it's not necessarily, it's, it's kind of by design. We, you know, we want to make sure that we give our opinions, and if, if a guest can, uh, you know, provide information that we don't already have or provide a unique look at you know a topic that that's when we try to do a guest um or we just have a great relationship with him so like matt holiday we consider fifth member of the show bt obviously is a part of our show uh chris kerber and jeremy rutherford well again those those are guys that are they're always on our show and that those are the guys who we have the most uh you know comfort with when it comes to bill walton's stopping by yesterday when we were at the Missouri Athletic Club as part of the, the College Basketball Writers Awards we I kn- I just know I know of Bill Walden I know uh, that that he he tends to just go so you got to know a little bit about your guest and as soon as you get in you know I had I think I had three questions prepared I think I got to one when you, when a guest is talking about himself or something that he's passionate about, and I think Bill Walton seems to be passionate about life in general, but when he was talking about the tournament, the Missouri Athletic Club, our great city of St. Louis, he was passionate about it. So if he had stopped at any point, my job as the interviewer is to make sure that I'm setting him up with something that he is going to have the best opinion on the best take the best again showing showing the most passion that one yesterday i did nothing that was all bill walton i didn't have to do a thing it was put a quarter in let it go and that's exactly what he did so i'm glad that you know at least one person enjoyed the interview i know that he was uh you know he he certainly got on several different avenues there and kept rolling 
took and his shirt off. He he talked about taking his shirt off. I didn't see him take his shirt off. Mm-hmm. Marsh, maybe you maybe you saw it. I did not. Um, did not but, see it. But the, in that in that case, you stand back and get the hell out of the way. And I think less is more when it comes to interviews. Now there are other interviews that we do where the person he's either isn't in, interested in doing it, uh, said yes, but isn't really interested. There are some interviews that we thought were going to be great with guests. I, I remember. So we did just get a, a text from the 314. How do you determine when an interview is so bad that you need to cut it short? What is the worst interview you've ever had on air? And obviously, you probably don't want to sewer that person. But... Yeah, and I'll tell you why I'm not going to sewer, sewer the person. I, there's some. There's a couple people that come to mind. I'll tell you why I'm not going to sewer the person. Because one, they were gracious enough to accept. They don't get paid. Some some guests get paid. Not most of them don't. So I'm not going to sewer somebody that was willing to uh, share his or her time, carve out time in their day, and and come come to an interview with us. There was a, a writer that I thought fell incredibly flat, despite me being incredibly interested in their uh, one of their their reports. It was a really in depth uh, report by an outstanding national writer, and we had him on the show. And he, he was giving us one-word answers. And we know, too, in the room. I mean, we, we'll look at each other and we're like, oh, crap. You know, we ask a question, it's one word. And I'm, be, I'm being, I'm exaggerating, but it's, you know, it's like one sentence stop. If we're five questions in and it's two, we're two minutes in the interview, that puppy ain't going the distance. And there are times where we'll challenge ourselves to try to get a lot out of them. Uh, because it is incumbent upon us to to really find something, be prepared that they're interested in talking about. Because if they're interested, we're going to be interested, and the listener's going to be interested. But there are just times where it's like, nah, I, I threw the kitchen sink at this dude. We got nothing, and you just you just move on. You thank you you always thank them for your time for their time, and and you move on. But yeah, there was a writer specifically following an in depth report, and there was a guy that he's a fo- he's a football guy that I loved his I loved his coverage. Uh, with the draft and I thought I'm like man I'm excited I even told I think I even told Jamie and Brad about him and Marsh I don't know if it was you or or meet and I thought I'm like this guy this guy what you know I, he's got a YouTube channel he breaks things down incredibly well I can't wait to have him on he was a, it was a total dud he had he, I don't he was, think it was me then I don't he, remember that I, I think it was meat uh but I I mean I said hey book you know reach out book book this guy yeah and he he came on, and I don't know if he was sha- like saving his information for his YouTube channel. Maybe, but yeah. we pu- we pumped it up. You know, that's the other thing. Hey, you're gonna come on. We're certainly gonna talk about your latest article or your latest YouTube video or whatever it may be. But it was just a total dud, and I I apologize to the guys afterwards, and they get it. Uh, but I I had hyped him up, and it wound up being like four or five minutes, and I just I'm like. We got to cut bait. So you, I, you just cut bait and you move on. I love our text line. From the 618, Ryan Braun was a bad interview on the Midday Show. <laughs> <laughs> May have missed that. That wasn't actually Ryan Braun, but uh, that is incredibly funny. Yeah, so the inside joke there, and the texter knows. BK reached out to who, I thought, who he thought was Ryan Braun. It turned out it was just some guy from Milwaukee on a golf course who acted like Ryan Braun for a couple of minutes. It's incredible. And then they moved on. And I think that guy shared this story or something with a... I think he put it on TikTok. Maybe, yeah, that's what he did. Yeah, right. and yeah. our 101 TikTok account reposted it. Hey, why not? That happens. So. Do you, Marsh, you probably don't remember this, 
but after the Steve Bartman game, it was either the day after or the week after. I know Do you remember us? Yeah, with Dan Patrick. Dan Patrick, who was one of the I mean, one of the absolute best in the business. Yeah. He was doing Sports Center and they had uh they thought they had Steve Bartman on and they realized quickly that I think it was somebody from the Stern show. I think it was somebody from Howard Stern that pulled the prank on him and Dan Patrick, this is this was this is the beauty of Dan Patrick. He he goes, he stopped the interview, he goes, We've been had. Coming up next on Sports, he just moved right on. <laughs> oh, good for them. Uh, appreciate the appreciate the, the the question. I hope in a roundabout way. I know I, I kind of rambled there, but in a roundabout way, I hope I answered it for you. But yeah, you really have to kind of just go with the flow, and you'll know when you got a great interview because you'll look up and you're nine minutes in, and it feels like ninety seconds. What's your name, by the way? Yeah, <laughs> that was Bill yesterday. <laughs> What's your guys' name? So that was a couple minutes in. He was great, and he was more than gracious with his time. So we appreciate Bill Walton yesterday. All right, we'll wrap up the show with uh, Beat the Streak next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. If you missed anything from today's show, you can always download the podcast. It's brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Download it at 101ESPN.com or your 101ESPN mobile app. For the first 45 minutes of the show today, we chatted with our guy Brad Thompson about the Cardinals. Touched on yesterday's uh, performance by Jack Flaherty. Talked about the struggles of Miles Michaelis, Stephen Matz, and any sort of connection there to Wilson Contreras. And spent some time also talking about how concerned we are about Contreras uh, and uh, some other Cardinals topics throughout the course of the day. Touched on the Blues, the power play. Talked to our guy Chris Kerber. And a little bit of uh, Odell Beckham Jr. and Lamar Jackson talk and uh, wrapped up the show here. And we're going to do so right now with Beat the Streak. Baseballs. All of my successes depend on me. You're ready to hit. The hits just keep on coming. And his first big league hit is a bullet up the middle. That was Jordan Walker getting a base hit on opening day. Chris, who is our listener, he had to wait a little bit, but he did get the beat the streak uh, yesterday. Is his, his what, it was his second win, I believe, right? Second win in a row? It was, yes. Uh, So Chris got his second win in a row with Jordan Walker. Again, he got the hit late. I didn't have to wait long. Paul Goldschmidt got the hit right away. I think Jamie had a way to tick, didn't he? I believe so. I yeah. think that the, his his hit came late, if I if I remember correctly. I think his that was Gorman. My, it was, it a was home the run. home run from Gorman. And then you had I had Arnado. You had Arnado yesterday. Had Diaz the the day before. Yes. And of course, uh, your hit was a home run too. Mm-hmm. So Chris is back on the line right now. What's up, Chris? Welcome back. Not much. Thank you. So Jamie Rivers, who's going down to the game today, he's already made his selection because he he goes first. His streak is now up to. It's a f- Six. Six now for Jamie Rivers, and he took Paul Goldschmidt. So Paul Goldschmidt is off the board. Uh, Jamie's going to look for his seventh consecutive beat the streak hit. Marsh, you are at five, correct? I am at five, yes. All right, who do you have? You're up next. This is tough. So I was thinking Brendan Donovan, but clearly that didn't work out the first time. And I, then I was thinking Wilson Contreras because he's due, but I also 
don't want to risk that. And when I look at the Pirates, I ugh, I don't want to go with a Pirate. Uh, so <laughs> I'm going to go with Alec Burleson. Alec Burleson is my guy to get a hit today. Okay, so Chris, you do not have Paul Goldschmidt or Alec Burleson as an option. Who would you like to go to? I'm going to go with a Canadian, Tyler O'Neill. Okay, there you have it. Tyler O'Neill for Chris as Chris goes for three hits tonight. Uh, I also am at two with Chris, so I'm going for the third. My home run selection today, Marsh. Who was that? Your home run selection. I don't know. You tell me, Anthony. Nolan Arenado, and I'm going to go right there, too. Nolan Arenado. His hit's going to be a home run. I'm going to cash both. Wow. Yeah. So Jamie was uh, thinking the same thing. Yeah, Jamie double-dipped with Paul Goldschmidt. Uh-huh. You have Alec Burleson for the hit. You have... Uh, Brandon Donovan yeah. for the home run. I did not double dip. The, the last time I double dipped was Brendan Donovan, and, and he did didn't get a hit. Well, yeah. no. And Chris, you were going to go with Canadian Bacon, Tyler O'Neill. So, Chris, good luck. Hopefully, you, hopefully, we'll talk to you again tomorrow. All right, sounds good. All right, there you have it. So, Jamie with Paul Goldschmidt, Marsh with Alec Burleson. Our listener, Chris, has Tyler O'Neill, and I took Nolan Arenado. You know what's funny is uh, none of us took Jordan Walker. And he's getting to that point where I think no one wants to be the reason he does not get a hit. I think that's exactly right, Marsh. You don't want to be the person that has all of that weight on you because you were the one that ruined that poor kid's consecutive hit streak. It's actually really impressive that he's done this. It I know. I, I like We've had a lot of expectations for him. Mm-hmm. But to do something like this, it's actually pretty incredible. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. it's, it's incredible. It, it yeah. absolutely is incredible. When you think about, you know, I talked about this with Paul Goldschmidt earlier, too. It's like we kind of just gloss over what Paul Goldschmidt is doing thus far this season. We kind of just take it for granted sometimes. We totally do take you, it for do granted. Do you think? And if he was struggling, if he was struggling, he'd be like, Paul Goldschmidt, he's got to do a hell of a lot more. That bum. Making all this money, being all perfect and whatnot. Dude's hitting 364. Yeah. We haven't mentioned him. So yeah, Paul Goldschmidt doing his thing. 364 with a 491 on base and a 523 slug. He's got he's only got the one home run, but he's driven in seven. He's only struck out eight times this year, and he's walked ten times. Paul Goldschmidt is, is off to a fantastic start. And again, we just don't give him enough credit. All right, that'll do it for us, Jay, for Jamie Rivers and Andrew Marsh. I'm Anthony Stalzer. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back tomorrow, too. Don't forget, Dan McLaughlin's going to sit in with us. So Danny Mac, Jamie, and myself, Marsh here as well, tomorrow from 2 to 5.30. We have Blues coverage right now on 101 ESPN. See ya. You've been listening to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.